Hey everybody, Chris here. Quick note before the episode. Um, this was recorded a little while back and things kind of got in the way. So we added a, a little add-on addendum mini episode, if you will, towards the end to kind of piggyback on some of the things we started to talk about or covered a little bit here. Um, so stick around through the episode and hope you enjoy and then enjoy the bonus episode on top of it. Thanks so much, everybody. Joining me is Eric Slater. My name is Chris Carroll and this is Comic Zombie. I freeze. I'm Batman. I am the law of the Juggernaut, bitch! Oh, all is real. Some motherfuckers are always trying to ice skate a wheel. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Comic Zombie. This is your old buddy, Chris. Joined, as always, by Eric Slater. Hey, Eric. How's it going? My chair won't stop squeaking. <laughs> <laughs> no, otherwise I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad to be here. So yeah, we wanted to talk about a couple of things before, um, you know, they were months old. <laughs> Marvel's Disney Plus series What If has dropped its first couple episodes. We wanted to talk about those briefly. Had some things that we've read and seen and that we wanted to talk about. And a couple of things we're looking forward to that are, that are coming up soon. Um, but the main thing we were here to talk about today is James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. Um, which, of yep. course, you can see in theaters and on HBO Max right now. And then uh, we'll wrap it up with some recommendations for things to read for the God of Thunder, Thor. So jumping right into it, Eric, why don't you start us off and tell us about something that you have either seen or read recently that you wanted to talk about? Uh, well, I recently started catching up on Rick and Morty uh, season four. I know season five's out now, but, uh, you know, I'm always behind on things, as Chris can tell you. <laughs> uh, it's really great, as always. You know, it's, it's so, so bonkers and it gets so brutally dark out of nowhere. Uh, but if you like that, I also highly recommend Lower Decks. It's this new uh, Star Trek animated series. It's basically like Rick and Morty meets Star Trek. It, like, that's the best way to describe it. It's it's on that same level. It's just so meta and out there and just aggressively dark out of nowhere sometimes. And it's like, what the fuck? Uh, yeah, it's good stuff. They're both hilarious. On top of that, uh, I recently saw this movie called The Green Knight. Have you heard of this one? I've seen the trailer for it, um, and I know that... It's got some really good actors in it, but I, I don't, I, I will watch it, but I've kind of purposefully not tried to find out too much about it in the past. But now that you've seen it, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. I, I kind of loved it, but it's weird, man. It's, I, I don't know if I can recommend it for everyone. Cause it's definitely a little, you know, it's kind of an art house movie, but like, it's really interesting. Uh, the way it's filmed and everything, the story. It's so, I don't know if you're familiar, but it's based on Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, uh, the Arthurian tale. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I actually didn't realize it was the same. I thought maybe just similar title or something like that. No, it's exactly that. And it's actually a really good adaptation, but it it kind of takes like a darker twist on the material. You know, like it takes the basic story. And then it, it kind of flips a few things. I, I don't want to give away too, too too much in case you watch it, but it's really interesting. So, yeah, in fact, Corey, uh, Corey Torgerson. Uh, yeah, from The World is My Burrito. Yeah, so we recently, uh, him and I recorded an episode of his podcast. Uh, so that, that'll be out sometime soon. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite sure when, but, you know, for all we know, that episode might be out before this one. <laughs> uh, but definitely check that out. It was an interesting conversation. 
yeah, a lot to unpack there. So I'll I'll, I'll uh, leave that for that podcast. Real quick, before you get to the next thing, um, going back to the Green Knight sure. for just a second, like what yeah. what would you say is the the thing about it that you kind of took away from it the most? Was it the imagery? Was it the story? Was it the acting? Was it the action? Was it the cinematography? Like what was it that really sold you on it? Yeah, yeah. So um, I want to say all of the above. Like it was just a really <laughs> well made film. You know, uh, the cinematography was amazing. the lo- The locations they used and everything, the way they filmed it, the lighting. Usually, I you don't talk about the lighting. It's kind of something you take for granted. But the the way they used it in this movie was really really interesting, and it's hard to describe without actually seeing it. I got I, I guess I'll say overall, it was really atmospheric. Like it really like kind of put you in the character's shoes, and there's just this sense of dread throughout. Like that's it's, it's kind funny because it sounds like you're describing like. If you took all the elements away from it, just the the themes and the things you were just talking about, it sounds like you're describing like one of Ari Aster's films, like Hereditary or Midsommar. Um, yeah, it's actually by the same studio, A twenty four. A twenty four, right on. Yeah, yeah. They, they have, they have so in, um, it's Bloomhouse are like two of my favorite production studios right now. Yeah, of course Marvel. It's, I will. Number one, but... <laughs> of course. Uh, <laughs> I will say it's not so much a horror movie, but there's definitely horror no, elements. No, 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 right? Yeah, I, mean? and I was just thinking it's more got along. super creepy shit in it. <laughs> but yeah, like, like, but if you not... were describing like one of Astor's films without using yeah. plot points, right? Without being like, here's what happens, and you were just trying to describe why yeah. someone should watch it. It's basically all the things that you just said. So I'm excited. That, that makes me want to see it more. I'm excited to see The Green Knight. Um, I think that you'll dig it. Um, you kind of have to go in with the right mindset. And I mean, if you kind of know the basics of like the King Arthur story, like that kind of helps, I guess, like Morgan Le Fay and all that. Right, know, right, Marlin. right. I mean, for if you know, yeah, if you know them, you know, like right yeah. away, like, okay, don't trust Mordred. You know, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. It's um because it doesn't really explain anything. Well, it, it kind of does, but it doesn't it doesn't hold it doesn't spoon, hand. It's it just kind of jumps feed it. Yeah. And it's the thing is, it's not a King Arthur story, but that's like kind of the world it takes place in. You know what I mean? Um, right. It's not it's the really tale of Arthur and Excalibur and all that. It's but it's no. like an Arthurian tale. Yeah. Yeah. No, I liked it a lot. I kind of hope they do more stuff like this because it was it was something else. Um, like I said, it's probably not for everyone. It's not an action well, movie. But yeah, they'll do more stuff like good. that if people support it financially. So if anybody yeah, is on the fence about it, go check it out and vote with your dollars. And if you like it, tell other people and tell them to go see it. And we'll see what happens. Yeah, and check out the podcast. <laughs> cool. Now, before yeah, before I interrupted you, you were ta- there was something else you wanted to talk about. Yeah, so one last thing I want to mention real quick. The new DC comic series, Batman 89. Uh, apparently the first issue just hit shelves not too long ago as we're recording this um i haven't read it yet myself but it's one i'm really looking forward to and i've actually heard really good things about it so far basically what they did is they did a comic series that picks up where the original tim burton batman left off they kind of like didn't worry about what happens in the sequels no but yeah this comic looks great like all the artwork i've seen uh all the early artwork they've leaked is like really cool looking. And they're all drawn to look like the actors, right? Like the Batman yeah. looks like Michael Keaton. Harvey Dent looks like uh, uh, Billy D Williams. And... Yeah. Billy D Williams. Um, and it's not really a spoiler cause it's kind of on the, on one of the you know what? covers. But... I bet you anything. If Joker shows up, he doesn't look like Jack Nicholson. I'm sure. I bet he you, does. No, I bet you he doesn't. I bet oh, you he doesn't. Cause oh, I'm pretty sure Jack issues? has, yeah. I'm pretty sure Jack has the rights to anything that looks like his Joker. Yeah. 
Like, so yeah. if you make it look like him, well, luckily he's him. dead in in the storyline. The Joker guy's not Jack Nicholson, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah, the Joker, the yeah. Joker. So, do you, you know? know I, I, you said you spoilers for yet. Batman eighty nine. <laughs> spoilers yeah. for thirty two years ago <laughs> for a um, forty year old movie. No, <laughs> yeah, sorry. Is Robin going to be in it? Do you think? I think he is. I think. I wonder if they're the going to make him look like Marlon Wayans. Sure. That would be kind of interesting. Yeah, because they were looking at casting him at one point, right? Yeah, which is like, He was really? in consideration. He was already like yeah. 22. You know, uh, come on, man. He would have been a slightly better version of the Chris O'Donnell Robin, pretty much. I, he, you know, maybe. <laughs> it's hard to say. Um, he wouldn't have been any worse. I, no different than like the way, um, I think it's still Dark Horse. I'm not sure. But they do like the Buffy comics and the Firefly comics and all that stuff. Um, yeah. Because it picks up where the show ends. So it's a yep. continuation of the story, just in a different format, you know, yeah. and it's generally made by the people that made the original content. Now, in this case, obviously, that's not going to be it. But DC Warner Brothers owns the character so they can do yep. whatever they want with it. You don't need a, a Joss Whedon or whomever to uh, yeah. kind of steer the ship. It's Batman. They know what they're doing with Batman. He's like the only totally. thing that sells for them. But I do kind of love that the first movie is the only thing canon in this comic. You know what I mean? Like, it's just picking up from there because... That leaves a lot of story possibilities open. You know what I mean? They're um, also doing um, Superman 78. That's what I was going to pull up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're doing uh, Superman 78 series as well. So I'm also going to check that out at some point. Um, it's basically the Christopher Reeve Superman, I guess. So that's yeah. kind of cool. And, and it's, um, I believe that it takes place at the end of... I don't remember if it's Donner's original. It's it's like... I don't. I want to say in this case... Oh, it, is it what, the Donner cut version? No, I think I think what they're that doing is just putting cooler. it like at, with Batman right at the end of the first movie, but that if I if I remember correctly, originally they wanted to kind of pick up mid Superman two where Donner kind of jumped off originally instead of yeah. doing the Donner cut where they have to use the pre existing footage and stuff, do like the ultimate yeah. Donner and just take the script and do that. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if yeah, I don't definitely. I don't know if that's what they're doing. That um, would be but, really cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's exciting. Yeah, it's a, it's a good time to be a fan of all these <laughs> old DC movies, <laughs> <laughs> right? You know, it was always funny. I always thought that, but you know, it's the rule of trilogies that we've talked about before. And granted, both of those original Batman and Superman series were quadrilogies. Yeah, but both of them had really bad chapter threes with conflicting chapter yeah. twos and then just train wreck chapter fours. But both of <laughs> yeah, their they, first they definitely did. And both of their first movies were like, you know, it's Hall of Fame. Like the best possible yeah, right. like really like, good version. The original Superman yeah. is an awesome movie. It is silly and goofy and the plot's kind it's of It's so dated but, but it's fun. Yeah, and I mean it is cheesy, but it yeah, it's got charm and it's and if you take it in so the context well of when it was it has made, a lot of like heart. It's, yeah, it's not cheesy it's well it's cheesy, but it's not like it is cheesy. It's not like kind of dumb cheesy you know it's fun it has pathos um, like it's yeah. got heart and it has pathos like there's a reason behind everything and it does feel like like a like it's mythology it feels like a hercules movie like it you know what i mean it has that weight behind it um, i think that's I think because it's... richard donner was, is just a better filmmaker than anyone that's ever made a superman film since and granted that's not a lot of people <laughs> i mean yeah. look no disrespect to snyder like i think he has an eye for action that like no one can touch in some case in some instances but Mm-hmm. And he clearly loves these characters. I just, in a lot of cases, think that his interpretation doesn't connect with the wide audience as much. Like, a lot of people I had problems that. with his portrayal of Superman. You and I, not so much. 
but a lot of people did. Yeah. And, and you know, I'm not going to pretend that Man of Steel is better than Superman 78. That's silly. But it's definitely yeah. more action-oriented. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Like, I feel like there's probably a movie in between those. Like, if you took certain elements of each of those, that would be the perfect Superman movie, you know? If you had if a you Superman 2 the... that wasn't just a frankenstein's monster yeah. like the actual superman 2 that would probably yeah, it's true. even even the the richard Le, uh, lester version of superman 2 like was for years a lot of people has favorite its superman movie like up until like the late 90s early 2000s it was mine as a kid right yeah. up until you know the blade x-men spider-man boom that <laughs> yeah. that or batman was everybody's favorite because everything else was dog shit yeah, because those are the only, like, big-budget superhero movies prior to that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Superman 2, it definitely doesn't hold up. But, like, yeah, I have a lot of nostalgia for that movie. It's cheesy as hell, but, like, Zod was cool to me back then, you know? Like, non was Honestly, scary. Honestly, I know? think it's cool until the second half of the fight with the Kryptonians. At the yeah. End. That's where, it gets from so then cheesy. on, it's like, what the hell is happening? Well, all the you Fortress know? of Solitude stuff. That's what I'm and talking have about. You, I can't remember if you've watched the Donner Cut, but yes. it's... It's a huge improvement in my of course. opinion. And it's a lot darker, too. Like, it it gets real dark, you know, a couple <laughs> times. So, speaking of dark superhero stuff, I've got a couple things I want to talk about. And they're all pretty dark. Yeah. The first one is of the course. lightest. Um, so, my I finally got my wife, well, her friends did, but I did, too, to start watching some anime, starting with the Studio Ghibli stuff, which she fell in love with, you know, Spirited Away, nice. and Totoro, and all that. Um, Those are amazing. But we've transitioned into where she's started to check out more like episodic stuff. She's a huge Attack oh, cool. on Titan fan and Demon Slayer. Um, and the one that we both... I've heard good things about both. Oh, dude, you got... <laughs> they're both phenomenal. Yeah, oddly fantastic. enough, I've watched the live action Attack oh, on Titan, which why? is not good, but it but it made me... I, I'll tell you what, it made me interested in the anime. Just watch the first episode of the anime and you'll be like, oh, well, I'm in. Um, yeah. <laughs> so the one that we got into recently and we were like a, just going through like maniacs and I, I, for years, was like, it just doesn't look like it's for me. But now that I started watching, I'm like, this is so for me, it's insane, is uh, My Hero Academia. Um, yeah. Dude, this dude. show is insanely cool. And uh, she just got the first manga today, actually, the first volume. So we're going to start reading that. Um, and I haven't watched much of it, Titan. but it's basically... It's superheroes. No, the whole thing's it's, superheroes. It's, a, it's Japanese X-Men. Yes. That's kind of what it feels but it's, like. It's you like know? <laughs> public. So it's like, you know, heroes are like ranked based off like their powers and their popularities and um the villains like yeah. the story is so well done and the action is just in the animation is insane. Um, it's pretty nuts. Yeah, yeah, Rune's a huge fan of that. He he's been talking nonstop about it, so I finally Dude, checked some out and I was like, It's really good. pretty good. It's like surprisingly really, good. <laughs> if you jump in at the right episode, you'll be like, Holy hell. Um Yeah. I jumped it, in like right in the middle too. <laughs> no, it's it's awesome. Um Yeah, so I just wanted to mention that real quick. The the villains on that show are done as well or better than any villains in any comic book or movie in America. Like they're so good. They're they're so well yeah. done. You just hate the shit out of them. And every all the heroes are heroic. You know, there's not like a lot of vigilante stuff. It's just people earnestly trying to save people versus people that just don't give a flying fuck and just want to just tear everything down. And yeah. Using in some cases quite bizarre powers, but very creative. Some of the yeah, I was gonna say there yeah, there's some creative powers in there, and the way they use them is interesting. Yeah, everybody, no matter how silly of uh, what they call quirk, um, essentially your mutant power, mm -hmm. the power you're born with. Um, 
generally the ones that look the silliest end up being some of the coolest ones because you see how they've like adapted their their quirk to combat and to like rescue and survival and it's damn that's badass (laughs) i think it goes to show you that like any concept no matter how dumb it sounds on the surface like it can be cool if it's done right you know if it's executed properly yeah so speaking of people that always execute things very well um jeff johns who's written like everything dc's put out that's awesome in like the last 20 years and gary frank who most recently did doomsday clock alongside jeff johns really good have launched an image title called Geiger. I've heard about this. Like, you know, radiation, a Geiger counter. So they have their creator-owned book, finally. You know, they've been working exclusively out of Marvel and DC for two decades now. And it's really cool to see them actually get to do something that they have full control over. Real long story short, um, post-apocalyptic wasteland, there's like little fiefdom set up in Las Vegas, so you would get a kick out of it. Um, yeah, that sounds and awesome. So like like there's you know some casinos are kind of not um, they're not up and running necessarily, but they're not like powerless wasteland areas either. But most everything's sure. irradiated, and this guy Geiger just has survived out in the wastelands, and he can kind of like absorb. We're still not sure exactly what his deal is, um, but it seems oh, like okay. he can absorb the radiation, like it doesn't harm him, and he can release oh, it. Wow. And, he can like burn you and give you cancer and shit, but he can also like flip a truck over and and punch through metal and stuff. Like he's badass. That's and amazing. there's only a couple issues in, but it's already like the art's phenomenal. And then John's does what he does best. He makes villainous people really villainous while at the same time humanizing them a little bit. And yeah. he gives you just he, he just spoon feeds you just enough information where it never feels stagnant. But at the same time, like it takes forever to get the big picture. Um, so <laughs> yeah. you have to. Have, it's that sounds just like the, John's. That's the, exactly. Yeah. If you have the patience, knowing if you've been reading his stuff, knowing damn well that he's going to, if not stick the landing, he's going to give it something very um, like he's going to throw a lot into it. It's not going to be just like he just phoned it in. Yeah, um, for sure. Like he plays the long game, as we've talked about before with the Green Lantern stuff. Like he or, yeah, really or Teen lays Titans the or Superman. Or, oh, yeah. JSA, you know, you name it. Yep. He's Teen yeah, Teen Titans is like 50 something issues of craziness. Yeah, yeah so anyway, Ge- Geiger's pretty cool, man. It's worth a shot. You can check it out. I'll, I'll let you borrow my issues if you want. It's um <laughs> it's it's really cool. Like I think they're doing a great job and I'm going to keep reading it for sure. Um Another thing that's kind of awesome. cool, Garth Ennis is writing a Batman book right now. Did you know that? I didn't. Yeah, it's a mini series. It's called Reptilian. And Okay. Um, I've got, I've already read the first issue. I just, I bought the second issue. I just haven't got around to reading it yet, but the art's really cool. It's very, there's definitely some Sienkiewicz influences in there, but at the same time it's painted, which he did from time to time, but it doesn't look like Sienkiewicz paintings. It it looks like the painting influences came from elsewhere, but the, the style, like um, maybe some Dave McKean in there. It, It reminds me of Arkham Asylum in a way. I was but about not, to say not okay. quite that far with like the 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 over exaggerated look. Yeah, there is some of that for sure, but it's not oh, as okay. it's not as pronounced as it is in Arkham. But it's it's it nice. definitely feels like it took a lot of influence from Arkham, but it also threw some Bill Sienkiewicz in there. It's really cool. It's it's a murder mystery. Like somebody is putting the villains in Gotham like near death. Like they're really jacking them up. And oh, wow. everyone's convinced it's Killer Croc except Batman. He's he's like, nah, this is something else. Um, oh. So I really have That's no idea cool. what's going on. But the it's it just it's a couple scenes of Batman just scaring the living shit out of people in the book. 
<laughs> is really cool. Like you could tell Ennis is like he normally makes fun of superheroes. Um that's yeah, the, that's totally. why the boys exist, you know. Um, right. <laughs> and instead of he he's, you know, he did Vertigo forever so he could do war books and um crazy science fiction stuff and then it he just put and all he did that. some pretty dark uh punisher stuff if i'm not well mistaken. He, he, did that, he put uh, he Vietnam put series yeah he well he was put all of his um all of the stuff he had been doing he got to put all that together in preacher and then oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah really kind of felt like he got all these offers from marvel and dc to write stuff and he did hitman for dc which is kind of like punisher and kind of like preacher and that it's it's like his marvel knights punisher at least it's almost like tongue-in-cheek hyper violence uh, but then yeah. he did that Marvel Max Punisher where he started, you know, um, messing around with where Frank came from and kind of set the definitive Frank Castle timeline as far as non if you don't really care about like when did he meet Spider-Man? Like if you don't care about that, you just want to see him killing bad dudes, then, you know, what yeah. you want to read is Garth and his Punisher Max. But yeah, after that, he did the boys to kind of show his response to, you know, superheroes and. You know, his whole thing was anytime he saw like a George Perez spread of like every Justice League member, he's like, anytime I see a group of superheroes that big, I just be like, get the fuck off my lawn. Like, you're just being ridiculous. And <laughs> it's, he can't not look at it through that lens because he grew up looking at superheroes differently than a lot of people did. So that's fine. But so it's yeah. interesting to see him do an, a straight up superhero book. You know, I think it's only five issues. Yeah. Um, but it, it's that's just cool. interesting. He's He's not doing it sarcastically. He's just putting some effort into it and it actually reads really well i think it's not a surprise the guy's a phenomenal writer yeah, he's having Spe- fun with it speaking of phenomenal writers two there's a lot of change coming at marvel as far as who's doing what books yeah you know we've already discussed how donny cates is wrapping up um wrapped up his venom run with issue 200 and he's switching over to hulk which is ending at issue 50 under the current immortal hulk title by al ewing uh, which we've talked about seven or eight times now, I feel like. Um, <laughs> yeah. And they're swapping. So Donny Cates is doing Hulk, and then Al Ewing's moving from Hulk over to Venom. Um, so that's a big change, you know, as far as two of Marvel's bigger books. But it's the biggest books Marvel has is Spider-Man and X-Men. Well, Spider-Man for the last 20-something, that was 20 years, 15 years, 10 years, whatever. It's more than 10 years. But the books had two writers. It had Dan Slott for at least a decade and then for the last like five, six years, it's been Nick Spencer, who mm-hmm. I love Dan Slott's run. It's phenomenal. And Nick Spencer is just, it's like he he literally, um, his editor said he read every single Spider-Man appearance like ever made. And 90% <laughs> of lot. that, 90% of that, he already like owned himself and had read like more than once. He's like, the guy's like an encyclopedia. Like you could tell like, he's been wanting to do this since he was five. Um, so it's yeah. really cool. You could tell like the, just the joy, uh, guys like slot and Spencer have one right in Spider-Man. So it's a bit of a bummer for me that his run on Spider-Man is wrapping up, um, in the next like three issues. I think, uh, I've discussed in our last episode that, you know, they're going in a direction that I really have no idea what to expect. And I'm excited about it where they're going three times a month again. And Ben Riley's going to take over the role of Spider-Man once again, the Peter Parker clone. What that means for Peter Parker, words yet to be seen, but the current uh, title is wrapping up all the loose ends from 70-something issues of Spencer's run with the overarching villain, uh, Kindred. And right now, all the villain groups that he's been setting up for these 70-some issues are all under Kindred's banner, and they're all attacking Spider-Man at the same time. So they're also fighting with each other. 
uh, because they've been pit- Kindred's pitted them against each other, knowing that if they're fighting each other and Spider-Man, there's more chance for Spider-Man to have to save people, which puts him at risk and blah, 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 blah. Uh, but you've got the Sinister Six. You've got the Savage Six, which is Vulture's version of the Sinister Six. Um, but that means you get to see like the lizard who's in Doc Ock's Sinister Six versus Stegron and, and the Vulture Savage Six and Sandman versus the Rhino and all that stuff. But at the same time, they're all trying to murder Spider-Man. Um, there's like seven <laughs> villain groups. It's it's not just those two. There's literally like forty something villains. Um, yeah, that's awesome. And in the last issue um, that I've read, which I've got like three to catch up on, I think. Um, Craven's daughter Anna made a reappearance and stabbed Spider-Man in the back. Literally stabbed him in the back. Like he can't breathe. Oh, He's damn. bleeding all over the place. And you know, it looks like this may be the thing that puts him out that brings Ben Riley back. Like he either dies or decommissions or coma or something because uh, he's it's been like two parts and he's already got the shit kicked out of him like three times um so yeah it looks like spencer's going out with the bang sinister war is a mini series that kind of runs concurrently with the amazing spider-man title and uh mark bagley's doing the art for the most part there's some other artists thrown in there because it's on like a accelerated schedule um but it, it's it's really cool I mentioned a few other changes, you know, as far as writers and stuff on Marvel, but the big one to me was just announced that mm-hmm. the um, head of the X team, that's the guy that's like kind of overseeing all the X-Men books, Jonathan Hickman, who also has been writing the lion's share of the X-Men title itself and the big quote unquote event, you know, bookend parts um, is leaving. He's leaving the X-Men. He's going to do something else for Marvel, but he's leaving the X-Men um with the upcoming inferno book um right now they're doing a four-part miniseries that he's heavily involved with but didn't write called the trial of magneto where it looks like magneto is going to be blamed for the recent murder of the scarlet witch holy shit yeah i doubt that he did it but it looks like he's the one being blamed for it i haven't read the book yet issue one is in my car right now to be read i just kind of left it in there i forgot (laughs) but yeah so when that's done he's going to come on for a four or i think it's four issues it might be five miniseries called inferno which may or may not end the krakoa era of the x-men a lot sooner than i expected it to so we'll we'll see i'm sure it's going to be really good and i'm excited to see if you know they have a big shakeup if they're just going to leave jerry duggan on the, the book they just launched i hope they do it's been two issues and it's been really good um, oh yeah, but you know it's Marvel and the X Men, so you know it's either ever since Claremont left, the thing about the X Men is that as soon as it gets where you really get excited about like everything that's happening, there's a change. Yeah, it, it happens all the time, and then like the new thing it comes bums in, me out, man. and you're like, oh, this is awesome, and then it kind of like yeah. plateaus a little bit, and right when it's like ramping up to where you're like, oh, X Men's gonna be cool, like every freaking issue for the next twelve yeah. issues, this pace is nuts. And then, like, the writer leaves, and then they bring in someone else. And it's just, I feel like at this point, it should be the book that the way, like, Mark Miller described doing it, where, like, you give somebody mm-hmm. one to two years on the book. Like, mm-hmm. they come in knowing they have 12 to 24 issues, whatever they want to do. Yeah, they have, they have and an it's end like, inside. They have one story that they want to tell. Like, this is your big thing. Like, anything you want to do about the X-Men, you put it in these 12 issues. And that way you get, like, yeah. everybody's grand slam attempt every time they come up to bat. Like, they know they only have a small amount of time to tell their story. And the downside yeah. to that is you're going to miss out on a lot of cool stuff for people who get to stay on the book for a while and, like, cultivate plot lines. And, like, it feels very disjointed when you do it like that if you're trying to read True. it month to month. But 
if they keep changing things up like this over and over and over again, like dramatically, and again, I'm making a huge assumption with all this that that means that the Krakoa era is over. Hickman leaving doesn't mean it's over. It could easily just be where someone else takes a spot and they keep going like they're going. Um, yeah. It's just, I'm bummed out that he's leaving the book more than anything. And I'm, and I'm kind of like, <laughs> meh, you know, <laughs> um, I really like the guy's writing. I, I I've feel been you. a big fan of his for a long time. And it was yeah. really cool to have him on um, and really reinvigorate a title that, I, maybe I didn't realize how much maybe needed it because I was enjoying kind of the stuff that was coming up month to month. But as soon yeah. as he got on the book, it was like, oh, shit. Okay, this is what it should be. I get it, you know? Kind of like when yeah. Morrison was no, on it or when Whedon was on it or when you're a kid and the first time you started reading Claremont, you got like – you and you got yeah. whatever Claremont story it was that, that Claremont hit you. Run, man. Whether it was Dark Phoenix or Days of Future Past. Yeah. And you, people forget that he wrote like a the gold fair standard. amount of um, – he wrote like a bunch of Wolverine. He wrote a bunch of New Mutants. He wrote a bunch of X Factor. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's just in the X Men offices. He wrote, but like not just the Wolverine miniseries with Frank Miller. He like he's the one that launched his book, the first totally. Wolverine solo title. Like he he wanted to write everything X. He wrote, he launched Excalibur. That dude was nuts. But you know whatever it was, whatever that that issue or story was that you read at Claremont that you were like you clicked whatever arc that was or artist or era, but. X-Men's always had these like massive upheavals and ever since Claremont left, I guess when Claremont was there, there was massive upheavals too, but it was all part of one mm-hmm. long ongoing narrative. It wasn't like, we're going to ignore the last two years and do our own thing. Like every two years. Yeah. yeah I don't know. Yeah. I just hope they don't, I hope they don't do that in this all case. All new X-Men. Yeah. New X-Men. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, they just, <laughs> they're very unoriginal with some of these names, but they're good series, but it's like every time it's like newest uh, X-Men. let's hit the reset button. And then, you know, they commit to it, but then they just ignore it after a while. You know, it's weird. You know, <laughs> and some, yeah, some writers do. Higman is the one of the ones that doesn't like they use that. They yeah. use the continuity yeah. to like enhance stories. And the guy who was on it before Matthew Rosenberg was the same way. Yeah. You know, the right people on that book. And it's one of Marvel's best titles, but otherwise it just kind of becomes like, you feel like you're maybe reading it out of a habit or like some weird sense of obligation. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think anyone that's ever had a poll list has been in those shoes before. (laughs) Yeah. Like I haven't really liked this book for a year, but I can't not read the flash. Yeah. Like you have your favorite character and sometimes you just feel the need to just support them. Even if you're not a big fan of what the current writer's doing, you know, Um, I get that. Honestly, unless it's like egregiously bad, it's usually me with Superman. When I do have a pull list, I usually at least follow what's going on, you know, there. But uh, and Wonder Woman. I'm always, I'm, to be honest, I'm kind of bummed I never got around to reading Bendis' Superman. Yeah, no, I started reading it finally. I, I've been getting the trades. They're pretty good. It's uh, yeah, definitely a different take, you know? <laughs> like, they lean into the family stuff, which I think is kind of cool. And then, like, their sister books were Greg Rucka doing Lois Lane and Matt Fraction doing Jimmy Olsen. It seemed like those are probably pretty yeah, good, which too. I haven't checked them out yet. They're on the list. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty behind on a lot of comics right now. Yo, this is Corey with The World Is My Burrito podcast, a.k.a. Twimby, a personal project where I educate my listeners as I dive into various pop culture topics that alter the world around them, yet somehow fell to the wayside. Do you know who almost single-handedly created the manga industry of today? Which major world event changed the horror film industry as a whole? How did comics affect the world's perception of nuclear energy? Journey with me to learn some random stuff.
so there I have purposely not watched the last two, couple Shang Chi things they've released online. Shang Chi things they've released online yeah, just because the last trailer I saw for it had so many spoilers in it that I was like, it I'm really good. Did. I'm going to watch it when it yeah. comes out, but I, I don't need to see anything else. It, I'm excited. I think I understand why they're doing that because I know it's a lesser known character. So they're like, Oh, but like we promise there's other cool things in here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he is a cool character. If you know, if you've read the comics and stuff, Dude, like, he's, he's pretty badass on he's his own. The baddest martial artist like that's ever lived. And it's not just like yeah. a guy that's Kung Fu versus superheroes. Like he can do shit. That's not, human yeah is it kind of, kind of think like yeah. iron fist right like iron fist could probably take shang chi in a fight but it wouldn't be easy yeah he could probably take daredevil and a handful of other guys he can beat up superheroes because he can do shit like hit you in a pressure point and you're unconscious for two days you know what i mean like <laughs> exactly. it doesn't matter how big you are he can jack you up um but i'm very curious about the yeah. movie it looks really cool and then there was a trailer they just released a longer trailer for the new eternals movie and i'm I, i'm really excited for that i think that's gonna be really good mm-hmm. uh, and then definitely, of course there's definitely. spider-man no way home and then um after what if we still get miss marvel and hawkeye on disney plus mm-hmm. this year that's all and this that's year. all this year that's, that's all 2021 nuts. man and we this got a been, ton of good shit there's been another year another too. pile of shit year in a row but at least we got cool content again definitely, definitely. <laughs> it's a it's like it's a nice i don't know it's a nice sigh of relief you know after all that it's like oh yeah. there there's that dopamine <laughs> yeah so speaking of uh just getting the dopamine and nostalgia button pushed over and over what did you think of james gunn's the suicide squad robert dubois He's in prison for putting Superman in the ICU with a kryptonite bullet. I'm not joining your suicide squad. We'll see. My court need is coming up. And Miss Waller said maybe you could help me out. You're stretching in my door! Everyone stand down. Miss Waller, I don't... Stand down! I wouldn't take such extreme measures if this mission went more important than you could possibly imagine. Are you in or out? Good. Let's meet your team. It's okay, I'm not okay. Each member has chosen for his or her own completely unique set of abilities. I need to feel the raindrops on my head, on my head. Hey guys, sorry I'm late. Had to go number two. Good to know. Is this thing a dog? A dog? What kind of dog do you think it is, mate? I'm gonna go with Afghan Hound. Oh my god, is it a werewolf? Yo, they sent me this to a werewolf? Yo, let me out! Hey, hey, he's not a werewolf, okay? He's a weasel. He's harmless. I mean, he's not harmless. He's killed 27 children, but, you know. Your mission is to destroy every trace of something known only as Project Starfish. Any questions? Starfish? What's a slang term for a butthole? Think there's any connection? No. Dude, this movie was awesome. <laughs> like, I, I mean, you know I'm a DC fan. It's just so nice to see, like, a legit good movie come from that studio. Yeah, I have some issues with it, but it was infinitely better than the previous one. Um, yeah. I mean, had, I'm, a, thing, I'm a James thing, Gunn fan. I am too. And the things that I loved the most about the movie were the James Gunn things. <laughs> The fact that like <laughs> he put his buddies in it to kill them horribly, like Fillion and Rooker and 
Pete Davidson and you know, like oh totally they're in it just well, to and this die is... like and and that's kind of the point of some of those characters in the movie which is great that's how they should have approached the first movie totally like and, the whole and point... it works it works extremely well I also think like the transitions where they had like the mm-hmm. the location descriptions like made out of parts of the location oh uh, yeah that was, was really cool and then of course the wacky characters the, the King Shark and Sebastian the Rat and Starro and uh, <laughs> and, and Weasel like they're polka dot man like they're bonkers ass characters but he has an affinity for them that you you love them well that's the thing like they take some of like the crappiest d-list villains and then make them kind of cool like fucking polka dot man is one of my favorite characters now uh, the james gunn version dave dismalton killed it his bit about like his mother she was so funny um yeah i mean it was weird but it was you know made me care about i i will say that it's weird because it's like it's a sequel that's not a sequel like three years after the other one and they could have easily distanced themselves from that by just being like oh amanda waller's back and they're just picking an all-new cast but the fact that they had rick flag and harley Mm -hmm. quinn and cats and boomerang and it's not deadshot even though he's got like the exact same powers look and story but it's not deadshot Like the daughter um, and everything, yeah. Yeah, if, like, come on, man. Just because you couldn't get Will Smith back? Like, pick it. Come on. I, you know, yeah, I did like it. Blood, Bloodsport was cool, thought, but yeah, like, he was yeah, a Blood better. Yeah, Bloodsport was a badass. He was a better version of that, honestly. Like, his was, I, I, I thought so. Bloodsport was a trillion times better than Deadshot. But it was like, it felt like at times, and he, Gunn swears that, like, he was had no interference on this movie. Like, what you see on the screen, for better or for worse, is his, that's what he wanted to put on mm-hmm. screen. So I can't I say like that, yeah. he was told he had to include so and so like Harley Quinn's bits take up so much of the movie like the her the whole, whole relationship with the um oh the, the dictator general, guy the dictator guy yeah the guy who's like yeah one of the dudes in command like that was such a waste of screen time uh, I don't know I mean I feel like that had to have been a studio mandate early on. Like maybe know, they man. didn't interfere with how he used her, but they're like, you, you got to use Harley yeah, Quinn. Harley yeah. Quinn. I just, and he's like, okay. Yeah. He had fun with the character. She, I think, look, she, I think she this did might a great be... job. This is easily her best yeah, version. I was going to say, but it's like the movie keeps detouring to check in on Harley Quinn and like, just, I don't know. Yeah, I, it didn't bother. Maybe, me. maybe it was just me, but I, <laughs> I felt like at times, at times, not every time, but at times the movie yeah. kind of grinded to a halt just to like see what yeah. Harley was doing. And then it would check back in with the more interesting characters doing more interesting things. I hear you. I think that's sort of the problem just because the, the amount of characters in the movie, you know, like there was a lot to keep track of. Right. You know? But I think that's uh, obviously where they killed like, off half when you of them, keep most but... of them in a group and you get to explore mm-hmm. the character dynamics. Like when you separate one from the group, anytime you go off to that one separate, it's like, Oh God. You know, it's like it, it would be like it, it, yeah. it felt like um, at times like an X-Men movie where there would be all this stuff going on. They're like, all right, let's see what Wolverine's thoughts are on the day's subjects for 25 <laughs> minutes. And you're like, uh. yeah, I, I guess I see where you're coming from. It, look, it didn't the bother movie me too was much, super but... fun. It's hilarious. Yeah. It's it's. Everything the first one. I mean, wasn't. the opening scene alone. Yeah, and like that. The, the whole honestly, blood fuck on everything. The, beach. the fact that they used Starro mm-hmm. and made him legit was. They made him scary, dude. Legitimately awesome. Um, and then, yeah, like when he's getting killed at the end. Spoilers. When he's getting all eaten from the inside out by rats, which was that the was only time disgusting. I've ever been in favor of rats eating something. Um, <laughs> I was like, I was like, don't hurt Sebastian. Yeah. 
I love Sebastian. Oh, that rat was cute. <laughs> he was my favorite that was, character. That was really cute. He, I thought King yeah. Shark for sure was going to be my favorite, but it ended up being a, a rat. King Shark was pretty cool. King um, Shark was amazing. <laughs> Sylvester Stallone did such a great job. Yeah. I want yeah. to see video of him doing the motion capture so, <laughs> so badly. That's- Especially, Especially scene. that scene with the aquarium. Yes, in yes. the aquarium. Yeah, like, I know. Right? Don't new friends, and he's running back and forth and stuff. I want to see that so bad. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah. Look, it's it's everything. If you just ignore the first one, which I imagine most people would, it's yeah. it's even better. But on its own, it's fantastic. But here's the problem, though, and the reason that I yeah. think it's going to end up being kind of a bomb for them is no one knows what the fuck this movie is. Is, is yeah. it a sequel? Is it a reboot? If it's a reboot, why are all these characters back in it? It doesn't look like it matches anything to do with the last one. I hated the last one. You know, didn't everybody say yeah. the last one sucked? You know, blah, 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 blah. Didn't that just come out? You know, so well, it's too and soon I've talked for a to reboot. People, some people were like can really confused because they're like, well, I haven't seen Birds of Prey. Like, why, you know, yeah. should I should I watch that first? Like, they, were, they weren't sure what to think of it. I was like, no, don't don't worry about anything that came before. Just watch this one. It's really good, you know. That's, and that you know, should really be your attitude towards anything. Own. Like, if you see something that you looks cool, Honestly, like, it doesn't yeah. matter what chapter it is. Check it out. And if you like it, go see the other yeah, early ones and, exactly. you know, fill in the spaces around it with what you're interested in watching. But I just feel like for the general audience, this one's going to slip through the cracks. I really do. And it's too fucking shame that DC I think it's going killed... to be a cult following, though. I think it's going to be oh, a cult. Oh, no. Hit. It's, 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 gonna, it's a James Gunn film. It'll have an audience. Uh, and it'll stick yeah. around forever. I thought the movie was fantastic. Like, I enjoyed the shit out of it. And I can't wait for the Peacemaker show. Oh, I know, right? Dude, this movie this movie made you care about the fact that he killed Rick Flagg. Like, when Rick Flagg died, it was... Um, the movie made you give a shit about Rick fucking Flag. That's all I really need to say. Did you see the honest trailer for this yet? It was it was fantastic. Dude. The bit about how like really instead of the drive showing the government was the one the American government grabbed Starro and they're the reason he was there and the whole uh, like Project Jotunheim or whatever. Yeah. The the honest trailer says it's the air cut. <laughs> He's like, oh. you can never let it see the <laughs> yeah, light of the day. Drive. What are you gonna do with that? Yeah. I'm gonna show it to the people. Like. You know. <laughs> That's so great. Yeah. Um, but speaking of that, that MacGuffin, like that whole that whole plot line, really, it, it was kind of ballsy of them, you know, because this was I mean, obviously, this was a ridiculous movie. But at the same time, it was reflecting like real world events, like things that have actually happened in American history. And it was like really taking like a critical I think look. enough people know, you know what about I mean, kind of like fact, the Banana Republic stuff. I think enough people know about those things that none of that shit yeah. surprises people anymore. So like, it's not like taking this big bold stand, like the U S government done some shady shit. Everyone will be like, well, duh. Um, that, that's the, <laughs> I, I the appreciated shine that though has long worn off the trophy. You know what I mean? So, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, they didn't shy away from it. I thought that was cool. Um, it was yeah. kind of heartbreaking when Star was about to die, and he's like, "I was happy floating among the stars." That's like the thing, like snatched out of his natural habitat, forced into being like experimented on forever. Then right. he wants to get revenge on the people that did it to him, and he gets eaten to death by rats. It's like Jesus yeah. Christ. Well, almost every character that dies, even though they sometimes die comically or like, you know, they're cannon fodder for the most part. But a lot of the times, like, you kind of care about them, you know, like, oh, that kind of sucks. You how know? fucked like, up was it when they kill and all that? That was not something I was expecting from this movie. I was expecting. It's a James Gunn film. He, he always does that. Um, True. He really does, like, as well as anybody. Yeah. yeah I, I, you know, even in the brief screen time they got, like, in the opening, the cold open team. A couple of them, it was a bummer to see him go, you know, like 
javelin and tdk and uh that was hilarious though <laughs> yeah it really savant being i was hoping to see a little bit more of um nathan fillion but yeah yeah but that was really funny but james gunn will put him and rooker and anything he can so it was cool to see. and his brother of course so it was cool to yep. see them no all right let's get it Suicide. Well, that's kind of our thing. I'm a superhero! Where's my dad? I'm gonna get you out of real life. I'm going to get you out of here alone. Ratatouille, what do you got? Bird. <laughs> now, now it. Stay off the comp. I don't know. I liked it. I definitely liked it. It's it's uh, one of the better DCEU movies for sure. It, it, I don't know if it's the best one, but it's up there. I don't think it's the best one for me, but I'd say maybe number three, like top three, you know. What's your number one? <laughs> I know you're going to argue with me, but... I, I want to say it's Aquaman. I think That's fine I think too, Aquaman's so. number one. The first Wonder Woman. I personally think Shazam is better than Aquaman. Uh, Shazam, Shazam's like number five for me. I think Shazam's I think. a lot more fun than Aquaman, and it's like it's Shazam not, is it's, fun. It's not like three and a half days long, and um, <laughs> part of me is also I just don't love that version of Aquaman. I don't hate him. I just don't love him. I just kind of like Jason Momoa is like fine. He's fine. I don't know. I like it. I you know. I don't know. I you know. I I think my favorite, honestly, it might be, and this is weird to say, but it might be the Snyder Cut Justice League. You know what? It might be. It really might. Yeah, be. that one is really good. Like it, it makes everybody. I mean, if you likeable. want to talk about a long movie, oh, that's a long uh, ass movie. Yeah, that's a two day trek. <laughs> <laughs> For me, though, it's kind of hard to separate it from Man of Steel and Batman vs Superman because it's kind of all one long story. Yeah, right? yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, so it's the DCEU is a total fucking mess. Like, there's no. <laughs> So the Suicide Squad is is we'll call it Suicide Squad 1.5 because that's basically what it is. It's like a reboot. That is definitely what it is. A reimagining, you know. I I'm I yep. will say this. I am bummed out that James Gunn didn't try to use the Joker. Yeah, he could have like, kind of redeemed him. I think. No, I well, yeah, he could have, but I think I don't think the Joker needs redemption. I think it's more. It's too bad that well, like, the Jared Letter, Jared yeah, Joker. It's too bad that like if, if they were gonna like kind of redo the Suicide Squad, that they didn't just go, all right, James, use the same cast. We'll give them whatever they want, and just make your version <laughs> of the very basic like the Suicide Squad has to cast the Joker and. Harley Quinn may or may not be working with him. You know? like And just do your version of that. Do you think like, he's going to come back and do another one? That could be the third movie. He said he said he's down to do he's down to do more DC stuff. They've been trying to get him to do Superman for a long time, but he, he's, he's not, he doesn't want to do Superman. I don't know if he's the right choice for Superman. No, that's what he said. He doesn't want to do it. He doesn't want to do Superman. Um, and it's not that he doesn't like Superman. That's understandable. want to do that movie. So, that's I mean, thing. that's like, a lot of pressure, there's too. There's so many people that would make good Superman movies, and they can't get him. It makes they can't wrap their fucking hands around it. I will say that I keep hearing yeah. really good things about the Superman and Lois show. Um, oh my god, yeah, I've seen some screenshots that like kind of blew me away. Oh, I've seen some clips that look amazing. Like the action looks incredible. Yeah, um, 
I well, and the I cast love the guy is that, really good. Tyler Hoffman. I don't yeah. love the fact that they've got like teenage boys because I feel like that's probably going to lend itself to a lot of like just fucking nonsense drama stuff. Like, well, if they handle it well. Well, the thing that I thought like, was cool is apparently it's one like of the, the Bendis kids, run of Superman. Well, apparently one of. of their boys has Superman's powers and the other one doesn't have any powers at all. That's an interesting dynamic. So yeah, it'll be, but the one that does have powers is like a whiny little shit. He's like always angry, and so it's like he's not very <laughs> likable. Um, but again, I'm I'm getting this off like clips, so I may be way off base, but it looks pretty cool. Yeah, it's on my list. The the problem with the CW shows is that you kind of need to watch them all. You know, not no, maybe I think, not all I think of this them, one like, is just on its own. I think you just watch this one i i feel i feel the need to at least watch crisis on infinite earths first you know well I that think... was also like three years ago <laughs> yeah you know i don't think you I'm need to watch it I, I mean i really don't think you need to watch that to see i mean i'm not saying don't watch it it's actually pretty good but uh um, yeah you don't need to watch that to see this is my point like i i, I know you sure. love superman like more than anybody so the fact yeah. that there's a cool superman show on tv and that it's on hbo max is like the fact that you haven't seen it yet frankly kind of surprising i know you're behind on stuff yeah. but i thought you would have been like shut up everybody and watch the superman like there's some things that like i'll be like six months behind on other stuff but when something new comes out that like i have to see right now i'll be like all right fuck you i'm watching this <laughs> it'll happen soon enough you know I'm just yeah i mean i right haven't got around to it either yeah. and i people were surprised when they heard that too because I, I mean it's not like i don't like superman but i don't know do you have anything else you want to say about the suicide squad before we move on to uh talking about thor I just really enjoyed it, you know, like it, I knew I would like it going in. Like I, I knew this would be better than the first one, but yeah, it was just awesome. Yeah. I, I can't <laughs> say, I can't say that I'm surprised at how much better it was because I mean, I thought it would be, I guess I'm just pleased with how much better yeah. it is. Does that make sense? Like I, I, I feel that like, makes sense. um, I think that's where you know. a lot of people are coming from, you know, yeah. I get and that. it's not like I'm a huge suicide squad fan. I always thought the concept was really cool. Me neither. But other than I, I've actually stuff, never, I, I honestly haven't read any. Never of been regularly. a huge fan of the Suicide Squad comics. Yeah. Honestly, I have I read, read the, a bunch of them. Yeah, but I read not the Ostrander typically run, like, that great thirty issue run or whatever in like the early eighties. Yeah. But after that, it's kind of I do like off. some of the some of the characters, but same, yeah. I do too, and I love the concept. But I just thought like it shouldn't always be used. I don't think the Suicide Squad should yeah. have an ongoing title. I think it should be like oh agreed crazy circuit like you don't see what they're doing most yeah. of the time and sometimes it's very public and that's when you see them whatever so you know obviously it's a very popular property so it, of course they have a title, but there's the new video game coming out too <laughs> yeah that actually looks like a lot of fun and i hope that they that apparently awesome. that um they're trying to segue that into a superman game but that's been the rumor forever so we'll see dude or justice or <laughs> i know I mean, we talked about it justice before. game dude uh, yeah just it's possible. It's possible to make a there good needs Superman to be a game. Good one, God Why? Damn it. Just give us one. Yeah, like just one. It's <laughs> yeah, not asking for too much. I mean, he's the most popular superhero on earth. Like, give him one good game. And it's funny they've gotten close a couple times. Like the Superman Returns game was way better than the movie, but it was still it was so buggy. To be fair, get, like, like it had punched, a lot of issues. Getting punched in the it dick wasn't for finished. An hour is better than Superman. They rushed Returns. it out because it was a movie tie-in game. Yeah. And if they had taken their time with that game, it would have been incredible, I it's think. like the first Spider-Man adaptation game. It's like all on yeah. a rail. You're like, oh, this sucks. Yeah, exactly. So move. let's move on to uh, kind of the, the big reasons we got here today. Time. Space. Reality. 
it's more than a linear path. It's a prism of endless possibility. Where a single choice can branch out into infinite realities. Creating alternate worlds from the ones you know. I am the Watcher. I am your guide through these vast new realities. Follow me and ponder the question. What if? We'll start very with uh, kind of our very early thoughts on the first two episodes of What If. So starting with the first episode, What If, um, I can't remember the exact title, but essentially What If Sharon Carter Became Captain America. What were your thoughts on that one? I really love this episode, man. <laughs> like I, I was completely sold uh, from the the opening narration with Jeffrey Wright. Like the animation style, you know, the way they recapture a lot of the, they just kind of recapture the spirit of the first Avenger. But it's not a blow by it's not a blow by blow like copy of that movie. It takes some of the same beats, but then does something interesting and different with it. I, I really dug it. I really liked it. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the whole concept, though. Like, you know, they, they show how it's not always like, what if Spider-Man was somebody else, you know, or whatever. It sometimes yeah. it just shows how, like, man, if that guy had acted like 30 seconds earlier, Steve Rogers would never have been Captain America. What happens if Earth's kind of exactly. shot before? They, well, they have enough to get one go, and these people would be there. So what happens, blah, blah, blah. That's why the one guy's like, Stark, get in there. And he's like, fuck, no, I'm the guy that pushes the button. <laughs> Um, yeah exactly it yeah, was really that, clever sharon was awesome the action sequences were As really always. cool and i love she took like a lot of joy in in punching nazis yeah and breaking yeah. up the boys club <laughs> and like kind of smashing oh, the boys too, club sure. was cool um especially that yeah because of like director. when it's the period it's set in you know like they're they're definitely playing with that a little bit you know yeah. with like how that would have been perceived at the time and stuff and uh, she's a badass even without the powers but with the powers it's it's pretty amazing you know what she's able to do she's of course voiced by Haley outwell and then um bucky was voiced by sebastian's uh stan and um yep. did you catch who did steve rogers no it was josh keaton who was the voice of peter okay. parker on the spectacular spider-man show Oh, shit. Um, Oh, man, you're right. (laughs) And uh, the Red Skull was portrayed by Ross Marquand, who played him in Avengers uh, Infinity War and Avengers Endgame. Um, Nice. I had a feeling that was him because it was such a good impression. Yeah, Uh, (laughs) it was Ross. It was if you might know him from uh, the role of Aaron on The Walking Dead. Uh, the guy yeah. check him out on YouTube. Like the, there's videos of him doing his impressions and he's scary good on a lot of people. But I really, I really liked how um, Carter was more effective than Captain America in a way, because she actually got to the test rack before the, before Hydra did basically. Well, a lot I mean, of that they had got to do it, but they hadn't with the fact that she never got put into the whole, um, like, oh, we'll just make oh, you like, the a sideshow. Yeah, like she never got yeah. like she got to jump on, like so she was running things before they got as much of a foothold on stuff as they did. Again, like True. one small change changes everything. That's the whole conceit yeah. of the show. Like 
I, I thought it was really good. And I like the fact that she kept like, sh- like Shumagorath or whatever it was from coming into our dimension. But that was how yeah. she got zapped into the future. Nuts. And just like her meeting, like I, it was like Nick Fury and might've been Hawkeye. I can't remember. Um, yeah, it was Nick Fury and Hawkeye. Where she's like, Oh, I had um, a dance, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> that was, that was like, Oh, that's a bummer. Uh, but I hope well, and did I, you notice that, it was the scene where Loki shows up and yeah. she shows instead up of, instead. Exactly. Instead of Loki <laughs> popping up in the first Avengers movie at the beginning through the Tesseract, that's where she yeah. comes through. Um, yeah, that was so cool. there was no Steve Rogers frozen in ice. Captain America. There was yeah. no Captain America. Captain Carter never got frozen. She just got warped through time. Um, yep. I expect um, we'll I, see her I think... again. I really think we'll see more of that story. Oh, 100%. It would Whether be dumb it's in this not. season or next season or whatever, but I have a feeling this show can go like a couple seasons. It's really good. I think my favorite scene from the whole episode was the plane scene. You never saw anything like this in in that movie in the first Captain. Oh America. yeah, that was I um, forgot about that in the in the montage where she's busting up Nazis and she jumps out of that right. one plane and flies well, onto because, the other you know, one. And Howard Stark got a hold of the Tesseract, so he made like an Iron Giant suit for yeah, uh, for, for Steve. Steve Rogers. So he's flying her up there and she's just bashing through these planes. And it's one of the coolest fight scenes I've ever seen. And it's animated. It was really, really cool. Yeah. And it might've been something it's, it may have even been something that was in the original script for the movie, but it was just like, it was too expensive to film. Yeah. Um, I could see that. It was, it was pretty Cause a lot of times like, yeah, in the, what if scene. books, the whole thing is like, here's what I was originally going to do. And I just always want to do for an editor. <laughs> wouldn't let me. And they go, but do they it in a what let, if yeah. and they'll be like, all right, cool. I'll do it in a what if yeah. and I'll kill everybody. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. So moving on to episode two, it was what if T'Challa was Star-Lord? So the concept, yes. the concept here is, um, you know, during a period where T'Challa is just like running around exploring in Wakanda, the Ravagers come and snatch Quill or snatch him up in place of Peter Quill because Yondu didn't go to grab the kid. It was... Yeah. Um, Crag and, and it was Crag and uh, Taser, Taser face. face, and they yes. thought that they're like all humans look the same. They got two hearing holes, two seeing holes, and one eating hole. Um, and <laughs> Yondu's like, like humanoid. You guys, Yondu's are like they don't even look the same. Um, but <laughs> T'Challa is all cool with like space. He he was bored in Wakanda, and uh, yeah, and, like, flashes forward to uh, the beginning of Guardians of the Galaxy. We see Peter as Star-Lord on Morag uh, to get the mm-hmm. Power Stone. In this case, it's T'Challa. Yep. And it's really cool to see the difference. Like He's a much smoother Star-Lord, of course, because he's just he's, T'Challa's better than Peter Quill. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's cool to see but, like, like, he, he has, has a, the same... He has a reputation. Well, yeah, I was getting to that. It's uh, oh, He sorry. has like the same tech, but he uses it very differently, probably more mm-hmm. efficiently. So that's pretty cool. He got the stone with like no Definitely. problem. And then when Korath, the pursuer, and his two underlings show up, where in the movie, you know, he's like, Star-Lord, man. He's like, who? In this yep. one, before T'Challa can even say anything, he's like, oh, my God, you're Star-Lord. I'm your biggest fan. <laughs> and he's, like, nerding he's out. He's all fanboying out. And he's, it's like, great. super apologetic that he has to try to, like, apprehend him. And he's, like, super thrilled yeah. that, Star-Lord, that like, Star-Lord beats his ass. He's like, oh, classic Star-Lord. Yeah. Um, and then oh, it flashes man, forward to you see where like this Ravagers like he's changed Yondu rather than like being along for the ride. T'Challa has changed the way the Ravagers operate. So they're like Robin Hoods now, yep. right? So yep. it cuts to the future and like you see like his love interest is Nebula, who is nowhere near as robotic as we've seen. And part of the mm-hmm. reason for that 
is part of his crew is in Thanos. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about the Thanos in the room. So yeah, what he, the fuck? T'Challa that was a crazy twist. Met Thanos before he made his play for the stones and talked yep. him out and talked him out of it. And that's what it was. His yeah. line was sometimes the best weapon is a good argument. And Thanos is like, ah, sometimes I still wonder about it. And they'll rip on him and call him like Captain Genocide. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's it's oh a very God. interesting role for him. He like he gets to just be like one of the gang. He's like drinking with everybody and stuff. It's very strange. Dude, good guy Thanos is my favorite thing ever. <laughs> it was pretty it was very weird, but I liked it. Uh, and there's it's um, hilarious. There's a cool bit where like well, he he makes like a sacrifice play to buy them time yeah. where he has to fight. Uh, the Black Dwarf and Proxima Midnight at the same time, and it, mm-hmm. the one thing the one thing that bummed me out about Avengers three and four was I thought the the Cull Obsidian like his group of underlings um, yeah was the Black really, Circle right really yeah I thought the Black Order Black Order yeah I, I really think they were kind of shortchanged like those guys are scary as shit and mm-hmm. the movies didn't really show that so much they showed that Ebony Maw was strong and that. Black Dwarf was like kicking Iron Man's ass until other people showed up to save him twice. Yeah. Um, but they didn't show like how Proxima Midnight is like. Well, I mean, I guess they did by having her and her husband like beat up the Vision and the Scarlet Witch. True. You know, it might have felt like the, they were punking out Vision and Scarlet Witch, but I guess it was just them showing like, here's how strong these two bad guys really are. They're taking these two out. Anywho. Yeah. Uh, you really see how scary she is in particular in the fight where she and Black Dwarf are fighting Thanos. Um, yeah. That was a really cool sequence. And uh, the bad guy of this episode is the Collector, who isn't yeah. out for the Power Stone. He wants T'Challa. <laughs> yeah, um, that was the an one, interesting The one twist. thing in the episode I could have done without because I just hate him was the Howard the Duck stuff. It um, didn't bother me. It was it was just like one or two scenes. Yeah, you know? but it was like, it was, come it was a funny on. Little... There's so yeah. many other things you could have used here. They used Cosmo again. Sure. Like they freed Cosmo. Show, yeah, fr- finally dog. show us that Cosmo is a telepathic Russian dog. He's a cosmonaut yeah. <laughs> dog that they set up in like the 70s or 50s or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's got like yeah. a long ass life now and he's telepathic. And he talks like, yeah. I am being good boy. Yes. You know, like, he's awesome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm shocked James Gunn hasn't done more with him yet because he's such like right up that dude's alley. Maybe yeah. in Guardians. There's too, we'll see. so many references in this episode, though. They crammed in a lot. I mean, if you think about it. Okay, so. I do think it's interesting that they made the collector the big bad in this. I thought that was kind of a cool angle to go because he was kind of throwaway in the MCU. You know, like it, I think yeah, there was a lot never, of potential there, never, but because Thanos was he gave way exposition in the first movie before the Power Stone yep. gets, like zaps him. He's in Thor: The Dark exactly. World to be like, ooh, cool, and then he gets like killed. Yeah. Like, yeah. So yeah, <laughs> it was cool to get to see him do some stuff. Um, and of course, he meets exactly. what I'm sure is a very grisly ending there at the end yeah um we could go on and on but i i will say well, that um i think I, I know that there's a couple more episodes this season that have things like uh the zombies um there's a doctor strange episode there's a thor episode i think there's one where it's like what if black widow killed iron man and it's like natasha yeah. kills tony and iron man too um so there's one where peter's like the sorcerer supreme as spider-man I That's think that interesting. that might be the zombie one where like, he's the one fighting the zombie. I'm not sure, but it, there's oh, a man. lot of cool I'm stuff really curious coming. about the zombie episode. For yeah, sure. same here. All this to make one super soldier. Steve! 
That's the moment. It has to be now. That created a whole new hero. Oh! This Wednesday, the secrets of the multiverse will be revealed. Oh, I'm counting on it. Under the question. What if? Streaming Wednesday, only on Disney+. Plus. Hey everybody, Chris here. Thanks so much for listening to the episode you just listened to and sticking with us if you're still listening. We wanted to give a quick update, just a, a like kind of an addendum to the episode. Um, it has been a minute since we recorded it. Shocker, I know. Um, <laughs> Par for the course. But we, we did discuss the first two episodes of What If um, in, in today's episode, but we, it's been a few weeks. And rather than dedicating an entire episode to a handful of, of What If episodes... We thought maybe we'll cover them here. So there's episodes three through seven, which include what if the world lost its heroes? What if Doctor Strange lost his heart instead of his hands? What if zombies? <laughs> what if Killmonger rescued Tony Stark? And what if Thor was an only child? Uh, and then when we're done talking about these, we're going to give a brief spoiler free. I don't know if review is the right word, but our impressions of Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, which we have both been fortunate enough to see. So um, we'll start with What If the World Lost Its Heroes, which is the third episode of What If. And it takes place in um, kind of an overlooked era of the MCU. I think partially because it was still when they were kind of trying to work with Paramount and find their footing. And, and it's early phase one. And you don't really see a lot referring back to phase one. This is this is all taking place in the same week, mm -hmm. which if you watch them, Iron Man 2, Incredible Hulk, and Thor all take place within about eight days of each other. That's right. And this was before Disney bought Marvel, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. This is when the Marvel Studios was working in concert with Paramount Pictures. And there was like a lot more hands in the pie yeah. rather than it being Kevin Feige and whoever he determines... You know, but he's the overarching kind of executive producer of the entire thing. He he was involved heavily, and I think he was like kind of the head honcho already at that point, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. But he was not um, the de facto, like the voice. You know, yeah. Um, so so they you know, and also because it's just it was early on, and they were still building the universe, and a lot of the stuff they want to refer to now is the kind of crossovery. You know, you don't see a lot of references to like Obadiah Stane, you know? right? Or, or <laughs> whiplash or you know and even the abomination um, up until recently spoilers right yeah exactly so so it was just really cool to see them revisit that week mm -hmm. and holy like it, the whole premise of this episode is what if nick fury had a really really bad week <laughs> yeah and it's um the scenes that they focus on um which are like the linchpin turnpoint scenes so what, what's different in this universe versus what we've seen mm -hmm. um, is the scene in Iron Man 2 where, where, where Tony is like sitting in the donut in the Iron Man suit. Yep. And then he meets Fury in the diner and, and Natasha reveals herself as the Black Widow. And um, she injects him with that crap that like helps. Yeah, it stops the kind of palladium his, his cellular. Yes, yeah. exactly. Or at least like like slows it down. Mm hmm. And uh, then, the, then they give him all that the stuff from his dad, right? Well, in this version, the shot the widow gives Tony kills him. Yeah, that was shocking. Um, that was shocking. It, <laughs> yeah, it was pretty messed up, yeah. man. And um, I saw a really funny meme. It was, what if Tony Stark made it out of an episode of What If Still Alive? <laughs> um, yeah, poor Tony. <laughs> he dies. That's like the, well, he's like the linchpin of the MCU, so it makes sense. Like, mm. see what happens without him. Yep. 
Uh, so anyway, that's the first one. The second one is the scene in The Incredible Hulk where Bruce is attacked by General Ross and his people on the campus. Uh, at it. I think it's NYU. Yeah. And in this version, uh, Widow is at the school with Banner because she's figuring out, like Nick Fury figured out, like somebody's trying to kill these Avengers before I can recruit them. Yeah. So when Hulk Hulk's out and starts smashing stuff, he keeps growing and like his, he just like explodes. It's and nasty. It really gross. Yeah. It's really <laughs> nasty. Yeah. Uh, and then the third one was in Thor when he's still unworthy and he goes to the, the Mjolnir, like, crash site that shield's taken over he's just beating ass mm-hmm. and he's trying to lift a hammer and he can't and hawkeye in the movie has him in his sights and is like yeah i'm kind of starting to root for this guy and this one he's doing the same thing and all of a sudden the arrow fires and kills thor yeah and the arrow could kill him because he's not thor he doesn't have his power yeah he's mortal team. at this point yeah. so so yeah in a couple of days thor the hulk and iron man are all dead um it's pretty shocking you know i assume yeah, we didn't really see anything about Captain America yet, but who knows? Um, yeah, so that was, it's pretty insane. Like you said, to see the Avengers dying like that was nuts. It's kind of like, you know, always crazy to see. <laughs> well, yeah. But it was so well done because you really, like, for a second, we're like, you know, you spoiled it for me on accident. No, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> My but, bad. I'm an asshole. <laughs> but no, it's okay. But it is, it's fine. Um, Usually I see these things like the second they come out. So it's a reasonable assumption that by the end of the day, I would have seen it. I honestly just, I had forgotten what day it was and was like, oh crap, what if it's out? And like two seconds later, dude, and Hank Pym. (laughs) No. (laughs) Um, So yeah, the, the reveal is that the person that's been killing the Avengers before they can form the Avengers is a deranged Hank Pym. Yeah. And I know we both thought it was really cool that, as I, I assumed it was kind of a, a nod to the comics as a sign of like his, mm-hmm. his mental break. Yeah. He's created the, he's in the yellow jacket. Yeah. He on. went full yellow jacket. Um, yeah. Never was, go full nuts. yellow And it was jacket. Michael fucking, one thing I love <laughs> about these episodes is they're for the most part, they get like everybody. In yeah. Them. Um, the cast, like, has been th- that was Michael Douglas. Yeah. It's Sam Jackson and Michael Douglas and Tom Hiddleston. In a and cartoon. Oh, awesome. How about the scene where um, when after Thor dies, Loki brings the Asgardian army down like, I understand my brother's dead. And you're like, oh, shit. Yeah, that was a um, nice twist. I liked it. I liked it. I loved Fury outthinking Pym. Definitely. I that was a really cool touch. But the reason Hank has gone insane is in this reality, Hope became a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent mm-hmm. rather than presumably going to work for um, Darren Cross. That's right. And... In the course of some event or another, I don't recall if they say exactly which one it was, mm-hmm. Hope, as a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, is killed. Mm-hmm. And when this happens, Hank goes off the deep end, and his revenge is to stop Fury's pet project from ever getting off the ground. Well, and the cool thing about this is that that, that was a twist. We didn't actually know where the timeline diverged at first. It was like we were in on the mystery, like trying to figure out, like, what happened, you know? Yeah, who's killing them? Yeah. Why? Because like, Hawkeye's watchman. like, I did not shoot that arrow. They got yeah, they got Hawkeye in prison, and he's going, I did not shoot that arrow. Yeah. I never like that was not me. And Widow's like, I didn't kill Tony Stark. Yeah, um, it's it's pretty awesome. And the just the reveal that it was just Hank Pym miniaturized, like it it also shows how dangerous Hank Pym really can be. Oh, I know. Yeah, it's terrifying. Um, <laughs> and how wide Yellow Jacket 
as even if it's Darren Cross and not Hank Pym is is pretty fucking scary. Yeah, because Ant Man's not going to do that to you. He could, but he's not going to. No, he's not a psycho. Because he's Ant Man. Yeah, right. He's Scott Lang. He's like derp derp. You know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but yeah, a, a Hank Pym off the deep end might, and that was I thought it was a really great episode. It really was. Yeah, they kind of pushed the envelope with the whole what if concept on this one, I think. But I, I think they continue to do that with each which with each of these episodes as we'll get into. Well, especially the next yeah. one, uh, episode four was what if Doctor Strange lost his heart instead of his hands? Clever title. And the premise here is that in the first, well, yeah, in Doctor Strange, <laughs> um, there's the scene where he wrecks his car and that's where he smashes his hands, which leads him on the whole journey mm-hmm. to becoming the Sorcerer Supreme. Um, in this version, instead of his hands being messed up, Christine, uh, Nurse Palmer, is in the car with him and she dies. So instead of going to become a you know, Doctor Strange to fix his hands, he's trying to find a way to bring her back. Yeah. And using the time stone, at some point he inadvertently creates a, like a divergent timeline on the same like plane of reality or something yeah, like that. I think that's how I understood it's it. It's sort of like a time so loop. So he creates like two, a little bit. Well, he creates like another version of himself. Yeah. Because he keeps, he's using the time stone to go back to when he picked Christine up for this award they're going to. She dies in the car on the way to it. Mm-hmm. And... Every time she dies, and he'll rewind it and try something new, and she dies, and he rewinds it to try something new, and she dies. Yeah. And at one point, the ancient one appears, uh, saying like, you know, this is a recording of myself I sent because I knew this was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, she, her death is a fixed point in time. You cannot change it. If you do, like, you can destroy the fabric of reality. Yeah. Like our entire universe would collapse. And he's like, yeah, you're right. I shouldn't do it. But the other Stephen. And again, at this point, we don't know this is the same plane of reality, like timeline or whatever. Yeah. He's like, screw that. <laughs> so he goes to find a way to get stronger so he can use the time stone and, and find a way to break this fixed point in time. Yeah. And his way of doing that <laughs> it's was to summon and then like physically absorb every kind of demonic magic creature you can imagine. A lot of them were ta- uh, throwbacks to the comics. Like he clearly kills and absorbs Shumagorath, like one of the ancient mm-hmm. like Cthulhu monsters that from like Steve Ditko. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he probably killed Mephisto while like he was that. at it. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, w- when you see him, when he's like fully realized mega badass or whatever, yeah. I-, I could see like, it looks like Dormammu might be part of it. Like, it's nuts. <laughs> like he, he he yeah. went crazy and they show it like in a montage so we don't know they show a lot of it like you see him doing it it's clear like he's become addicted to the power mm-hmm. and when he leaves the room to go like check on the guy who's like the caretaker or whatever not Wong but it's a different place um, and the dude's like in his on his deathbed and he's super old and Steven's like what the hell it's like you've been in there for like 102 years yeah um, so yeah then then we realize that uh you know, um, our Steven, the good one, realizes what's kind of is like informed of what's going on mm-hmm. and knows that he has to stop this deranged version of himself from breaking time. Yeah. And how's that go for him, Eric? Not well. <laughs> the ending of this episode is pretty damn dark. Like, it's really fucking dark. The, the whole, okay, so the whole episode's dark, but it feels like kind of like the Dormammu timeline I mean uh, time loop where like but it's like more emotional you know like it's kind of like a really like fucked up situation that you can't change you know 
Um, and it reminded me a lot of the movie The Time Machine, uh, the early 2000s one. Uh, did you ever see that? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. the whole the whole yeah, premise behind him trying to, you know, go back is to save his loved one, but she dies no matter what because like that's what's meant to happen. And it's right. Like I love that concept, but it's so tragic. Yeah, to see a character like break themselves over and over and over again, it's like you, you want to be like, stop. Yeah. Um, and there's yeah, that great no, moment. It's, it's really well done. There's that great moment where the watcher's like, oh, man, I should probably stop him. But he's like, I can't. Yeah. This is fucked up. <laughs> and and, and at that at point. The, at the end where he does well, talk to Well, before him. that, at that point, though, when the watcher says that, Doctor Strange, like, looks over his shoulders like, who said that? Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, my yeah, what was God. That? Who was that? Is he going to kill the watcher? <laughs> it was such a great <laughs> moment where, like, it almost, like broke the fourth wall in a way it was weird i don't even know how to explain it but yeah so that comes back towards the end yeah so so the evil steven beats the good steven and physically absorbs him to like reunite them into like the whatever yeah it's a little confusing but he he does (laughs) and in doing so like becomes like the ultimate power and he revives he uses the time stone and breaks the fixed point in time Mm -hmm. to uh resurrect christine Mm mm-hmm Unfortunately for him, uh, he immediately breaks reality. Yeah. She sees this like super crazy demon thing with like kind of Stephen Strange's face. Yeah. <laughs> and understandably is like, what the actual fuck? Like yeah. she freaks out and he's like, no, 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 everything's cool. And as he's doing that, reality is starting to break down and like, um, it's, it's, it's the whole universe it? is like, collapsing. Like it's. Yeah, the visual of it's really cool. It's like dark. It's like nothingness is eating everything. Yeah. Um, and he's trying so hard to like hold it off. Mm-hmm. And he's realizing like, oh my God, what have I done? This is all a horrible mistake. Like every single person was telling me. Yeah, exactly. And that's where he actually does talk to the Watcher. Yeah. And that was really cool where he's like pleading with them. Like, you got to do something to stop this. Please help me. And the Watcher's like... Sorry, bro. You did this to yourself. Yeah, it's far too late and, for that. Uh, he just he just leaves, and then the universe dies. Like it implodes, and he's just—it's yeah. nothing but Doctor Strange left in his like prism. It's pretty crazy, right? Because Christine has like faded into nothingness or whatever. Yeah. So it's just him. Like it's just alone him. So for sure eternity. We'll, yeah. Like most of these episodes, I think we'll probably see that Doctor Strange again at some point. Mm-hmm. It might be like season four of what yeah, we who might knows? see him again. Um, and there was a bit towards the end of episode three that was clearly like a tease for something, but I can't remember what it was. Oh, Captain Marvel showed There up. was a lot. Like early on That's in that That's right. Time yeah, they one. called Captain Marvel in to like help form the Avengers. So it might be like her and yeah. presumably if they ever find him, Steve Rogers. Um, so uh, episode five is <laughs> it's my favorite title. It just says, what if? Zombies! <laughs> and so this is this is just Marvel Zombies essentially. Yeah, um, it's super cool. It's fantastic. It's uh, it's great. Well, and the um, fact that they set it like during Infinity War was really clever. It was like kind of the perfect time yes. to set it. You know, Hulk shows yeah, up um, on Earth. Uh, he crashes through Doctor Strange's house like he does, uh, but no one's there. And he goes out to the street, and then everything's empty and kind of creepy. Uh, and that's when uh, Thanos's uh, his his henchmen the, show up. The Black Order. The Black Order shows up, like like they do in Infinity War. Uh, but then a portal opens up, and Wong, <laughs> Iron Man, and 
Ah, who else was there? Doctor Strange Strange show up. But it's all in silhouette, and they beat their asses, and we don't see exactly what's going on. Banner's like, yay! And then his face kind of falls, and he's like, oh, shit. (laughs) What are you doing? That's a bit much. You guys are going a little too far over there. And they start, we see, like, they're getting eaten. Yeah, they're eating the Ebony Maw, the Squidward. Yeah. They're eating him. And and Banner's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) That was a pretty great moment. It was a good reveal. So... He ends up meeting up with uh, a really interesting group, and I don't know. Uh, one of my favorites is the fact that like Strange's cape is like a character in their team. <laughs> That's right. Uh, he's rescued. He's re- he's rescued from the zombies by Spider Man. Yep. And Spidey zips Banner away to the closest thing they have to like a safe house. Um, it's pretty awesome when you, when they <laughs> zoom out later. You see that it's like a bunch of trains like webbed up between buildings. Yeah, it's like it's really hard to get to. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, and it, it, forgive me, Vision. They go to meet Vision. That's later. That's a little so bit later. Be, uh, it's this is the, the resistance is Wasp. Mm-hmm. Was it Happy Hogan? Yes. Uh, the guy from Ant Man, the Russian guy. Is it Maria Maria Hill? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that was it. Yeah. Um, uh, whose name? Are, this polka dot man from um, it's Dave Desmolch's character. I can't remember his name. Yep. And, and then, then of course, you got he's a, the yep. guy in Ant Man the Wasp was like Baba Yaga. <laughs> exactly. Um, he's great. I mean, he's great. I can't remember his freaking name. But also, uh, Bucky. Bucky shows up. That was it. That was it. Thank yeah, you. he's it the Bucky. main one. <laughs> um, yeah, by far. Yeah. We cut away to that really funny video that Peter made where it's like how to survive the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> and it's just the yeah. funniest shit ever. It's great. <laughs> it is a little strange that he, he I mean, I know Spider-Man like uses humor sure. for everything like to mask when he's scared or angry or whatever. But yeah, it is kind of weird that like it's this really horrible episode. Like everything's awful and mm-hmm. scary and disturbing and he's like goofing around the whole time it's but you know yeah it gives the episode some levity so it's not just a freaking bummer the whole time <laughs> exactly which it easily could have been and like happy hogan was a little out of character at times too but i think it worked you know yeah yeah see everybody kind of gets picked off but the the major scene earlier on as far as that group and then fighting zombies is uh, Bucky faces off with zombie Captain America. Oh my god, that was cool. And yeah, it really was. And and you can see it like really messes Bucky up. Well, and Bucky's and like, I guess this is the that. end of the line, pal, or something like that. Yeah, 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 he, yeah. There's a couple references he makes um, throughout the episode to past stuff. Well, and the way they animate the zombies themselves is pretty disturbing. Like Captain America when he shows up, his jaws all unhinged. It's disgusting. Uh-huh. It's great. It's pretty gross. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> so they find out that there's um, like a, a potential way to end all this. Mm-hmm. And they track down. Um, it's at Camp Lehigh, right? Yeah. Where, where Captain America was made. Which yeah, is a, at the camp where. Um, it's a little weird. because he or Fort Lehigh, whatever it is. Where, yeah. <laughs> where he trains in the first Avenger and in uh, Winter Soldier. He and Natasha find. Arnim Zola, and then of course at Endgame where they traveled to get the pin particles in the seventies. Yeah. So the weird thing to me was, though um, with that scene was in Winter Soldier that place gets blown up, and this is after that, so it's kind of like how did that work? <laughs> well, it's a different timeline, obviously. True. You know, Banner was gone. Wait, when did? Yeah, Banner was gone before after Winter Soldier. Uh, hmm. Yeah, it seems like well, something different timeline. They can get away exactly. They can you get can away hand with stuff like that. Things. Yeah. <laughs> So they go to meet uh, at like that, that camp to find out like you know what can be done, and the vision is there. Yeah, and he seems like the vision, and he is the vision, 
mm-hmm. but it seems like he's kind of gone a little crazy yeah um with grief because he's like trying to figure out a cure because wanda's a zombie mm-hmm. and he's got the scarlet fucking witch with her powers mind you yeah as a zombie and he hasn't killed her he's got her like hanging out mm-hmm. and my favorite thing about this is that he's also got <laughs> in a glass jar like futurama uh-huh. the non-zombified alive head of scott lang yeah so so hope and scott get reunited kind of because he's just a head in a jar but he talks and everything and that was <laughs> so weird it was but pretty it was disturbing really yeah yeah a lot of people died in this episode um the the big one was hope that was a crazy scene grows like giant man size yeah that was nuts yeah Um, and yeah it's uh we're gonna see i have a good feeling we're gonna see more of a lot of these characters down the line too Mm -hmm. Um, because this one definitely as good as it was did not feel uh like a complete story with it with a tale to find further stories or like a to be continued kind of thing um yeah it, it just felt like it was half the story. I feel like um, this is one of those stories we'll probably revisit each season on this show. I I think so too. I think that this this show is going to revisit a lot of this stuff, mm-hmm. uh, and in some cases, maybe sooner than we think. Well, there's so much potential um, there, especially with the way the episode ends. Zombie Thanos. Uh, yeah. So that was yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so presumably the one of the black like the Black Order got zombified and then went back up to the. Um, the ship and just turned everybody up there into zombies. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it really sucks for like the seven people that are left on earth. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> it really, really sucks. Yeah. So the next episode uh, was what if Killmonger rescued Tony Stark? And this goes back to the original Iron Man. So rather than Tony being captured by the 10 rings, mm-hmm. as that whole sequence is going on, he's rescued by uh, Killmonger from Black Panther. Yeah. So Tony never gets wounded. He never goes on his uh, his his arc yeah. to become heroic. He's just Tony. He's just early douchebaggy Tony Stark, <laughs> and he immediately buys into like this Killmonger guy is the best. He he promotes him high up in his company. Mm-hmm. He gives him all kinds of power, and Killmonger kind of manipulates him into building like an army of drones, kind of like the drones, almost like the drones from Iron Man Two. Yeah, the that, Justin that Hammer Justin ones, Hammer Whiplash built. Yeah, they kind of look like those, but but better, more they, anime. They use vibranium. <laughs> they use some vibranium. Yeah, definitely more anime. Definitely yeah. more Michael B. Jordan. Yeah, <laughs> um, and and they're pretty badass. And he um, he manipulates things so that he can go and get all these things, and he kills. Rhodey. Yeah. Um, he kills T'Challa. He, he kills T'Challa. That was crazy. And he kills Rhodey using T'Challa's um, claws, right? That's right. Yeah, he does. Yeah, so it looks like Rhodey was killed by the Black Panther. Because mm-hmm. he's trying to start a, a war with Wakanda. Yep. And so General Ross buys into it. They take over Stark Enterprises and mass produce these things to go invade Wakanda. Mm-hmm. Helping him was Ulysses Claw. Yeah. Like in Black Panther, right? Yeah, yeah. But before they can completely take over Stark Enterprises, there's like one last obstacle. Mm-hmm. And that's Tony. Yeah. Unfortunately for Killmonger, Tony is a lot smarter than he thought, even drunk. And he had <laughs> find a way, found a way to like to Jarvis, um, have Jarvis record like every square inch of the place, the meeting place where Rhodey got killed. So he, he knows exactly what happened. Yeah. Unfortunately for him, it doesn't really matter because Killmonger pins him to the wall yeah. through his shoulder. 
Um, Tony releases the the drone to come kill him, and it almost does. Uh, but the one of the things he stole was a vibranium spear, like a Dora Milaje spear. Mm-hmm. Yep. So he's able to destroy the drone, and then he murders Tony Stark because it's a what if so Tony has to die. <laughs> um, so yeah, he goes to Wakanda and has that whole bit like in the movie where he brings Claw to them, like, "Yo, I brought this dude to you guys," and the "Hey, Auntie" and all that stuff. Yeah. The difference is now. T'Chaka, T'Challa's father, is still king. That's right. T'Challa is dead. Yeah. So there is no like Black Panther. And mm-hmm. so he's able to get a lot of power very quickly by being like, no, I'm, I am your brother's son. Like, I just always wanted to come home. Like, I brought this outlaw to you guys to show, like, I'm part of you. So they welcome him with open arms. He's got, like, charisma off the charts. Meet. And, like, he manipulates the yeah, crap he, out of everyone in this episode. Everybody. Yeah. The only people that don't trust him implicitly is the audience because we're like, dude, fuck this guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and Shuri. I think it, it was it Shuri that was Shuri a little bit. Yeah, yeah uh, she's um, skeptical. a little bit. Yeah, but she's she buys in pretty quickly too. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> they all like, oh, yeah. So yeah, he he has the um, U.S. send all its drones into Wakanda or Rasta. So yeah. as soon as they get to like the certain point, Killmonger, knowing Wakanda technology triggers like the the wall the barriers we see in infinity war mm-hmm. um and that that cuts the signal to the drones off so they just like power down and it's like it's his plan so everyone's like oh killmonger you're the shit oh my god <laughs> and then he remotely powers them back up and they're like oh my god we're all gonna die and then he goes to join the fight to destroy the the, the drones and that way the Wakandans see him as like a champion and a hero and a warrior. Yeah. And so they give him the Black Panther. <laughs> he becomes the new Black Panther. Yeah. And it's just like he. He, he wins, basically. Uh, he's just, it, yeah, he really does. Like by the end of it, he's pretty much, you know, he's, he's the shit. Like he's the, not the king yet, but he's probably like in line to be one. Um, and what's crazy so about the, all of this is see, that at. At one yeah, point in the episode, he could have become a hero. You know, he could have done the right thing and redeemed himself and easily was and still could have been welcomed back into Wakanda the right way. But instead, like like, he had to double down on the assholery, you know, <laughs> constantly. Everything yeah. he does, it's like you have a chance to redeem yourself here. And he's like, nope. How about here? No, I'm good. How about here? Nope. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but it's so baby. well done. <laughs> it's it's such a great. Well, I don't know. I loved it. I did too. Uh, this one has another tag at the end, which leads me to believe we may see more of this story where uh, Pepper is going into Pepper and Happy are still alive, thankfully. Yeah. And um, she, there, she's at Stark Tower and Shuri is just sitting in her office, even though Wakanda and the United States are in open war right now. Shuri got into Stark Tower <laughs> yeah. undetected and is just hanging out in like the CEO's office like, what up? Yeah. Uh, and she proposes... She she basically confirms everything Pepper was thinking about Killmonger. Like this dude manipulates everybody. He killed Tony Stark. He tried to kill my father. Like he's a piece of shit. Yeah. And uh, she proposes that the two of them team up to take him out. And they kind of smirk at each other. And that's the end of it. And it's like, oh, I want to see what happens. Like <laughs> um, you know, and as good as that bit was, it doesn't touch the tease at the end of the next one. Of course, we'll talk about the episode first, but uh, mm-hmm. what were your thoughts on what if Thor was an only child? This was a fun one. Uh, it's definitely a lot less serious than pretty much every episode yeah. up until this point. 
but I had a lot of fun with it. If you're a fan of like Thor Ragnarok uh, and Guardians of the Galaxy and those kind of like that vibe, like this really goes there and like <laughs> turns it up to 11. Like it's it's bonkers, man. Uh, basically, uh, Thor, it's Thor without the humility. You know, it's uh, he he doesn't give a shit. Well, yeah, the know? whole like, premise is that <laughs> Odin, instead of instead of raising Loki, Odin returned him to Lofi. And that was rather than like your child will be like a quote unquote hostage in my kingdom, yeah, um, as part of the royal family, and that'll be like the sign of peace. It's here's your son alive and well, peace. Yeah. Um, and so Thor never grew up with Loki. There was never that you know all the, the trials and tribulations and adventures they went on together never happened. So Thor's very different. He's much yeah. more like he's like, he's a, like dude a frat bro. boy. Yeah, it's like if, what if Jason Momoa was Thor? <laughs> <laughs> kind of, yeah. <laughs> No, I liked yeah. it though. Like he instead of uh, showing up in the instead of being exiled to New Mexico, he shows up in Vegas and just like has this party crew already there, and they just yeah you know. the Warriors three and people scrolls and Kree and like the Guardians of the Galaxy characters. Yeah, the Grandmaster shows up is, at uh, one point. Like Grandmaster's a DJ for yeah, them. And, like you can tell Thor Thor go, has been doing this for a very long time, going around the universe, making friends and partying. And, that's, and like, there's a hint does. that he like destroyed and, uh, a planet at one point. <laughs> well, his story later on was that the place was literally about to be destroyed by an asteroid. They just helped it along. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so whatever that means. Yeah. Um, the goats and okay, the uh, my favorite bit is that Loki, yeah, Fandral has like a recurring theme where he keeps like trying to collect baby goats, yeah, and they keep finding him passed out with like multiple baby goats, and it's not insinuating like he did something with them. No, it's of just course like not. he thinks they're cute. Yeah, he like, he's like ah, he calls them like was it the names like Kevin or something like yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> um, it, it's it's really funny, but um, I th- I thought it was cool that when Loki shows up with the frost giants and loki is a frost giant yeah that was interesting and he's blue skin red eyes and he's super big i'm assuming that's because of like i guess their biology they absorb kind of their environment and like adapt i'm guessing because he obviously looks human in the other version you know or as guardian i guess so they never really explained that right that was exactly yeah so <laughs> Is it a side effect of his magic? Like, I've, they never really explained how that works in the, in the movies, um, yeah. which is interesting because they usually go out of their way to explain that stuff. So anyway, the United States, Maria Hill, um, <laughs> you see if uh, Hill brings in uh, Jane Foster and her group because they met Thor and she's trying to be like, what the fuck, you know? Well, the reason Maria Hill's in charge is because something happened to Nick Fury. Uh, Korg freaking <laughs> yes. tackled him and he's in a coma. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> he didn't. He wasn't trying to hurt him. He was just playing. No. He's, you know, drunk as crap and he was playing. But Nick Fury's just a human, and Korg is a big rock monster. Yeah, um, she's oh, like he like smashes him. Fury goes flying, and they're like, "Oh my god, how's Fury?" And Maria's like, "He's not awake yet. It's been like days." <laughs> um, so her response to get this party off the planet is to use the pager we saw in the post-credit scene of Infinity War mm. to call Captain Marvel to Earth. Yeah. And that's like our conflict for the episode is is basically Captain Marvel is cast in the role of like the RA in the dorms. Yes. And Thor <laughs> is like the guy, he's like the Van Wilder where he's like he, yeah. he's the mastermind behind like these crazy insane parties that go on like continents and last for months or whatever. Yeah. And he and is out of control. Got, and you know, she's got to bust it up and he's always just like I don't see what the big deal is, you know. Or like why why you know, smart mouthing his way through. For sure. Um, until she starts 
beating his ass. <laughs> and she completely um, like she owns him. It's it's amazing. To see well, she does and she doesn't because she's yeah. like she's laying him out and everything. But like he, he keeps getting it. right back up. Like yeah. oh, like, it's not hurting him at all. Like yeah. she's not knocking him out or anything like that for sure. But she like he's drunk as so you know his fighting isn't on par. And he he nails her pretty smashing good more than a few times, especially with the smashing through the, continents. It's crazy. Like yeah, it's, it's a global awesome fight. To see it's the two one of them actually fight. Yeah, it's yeah. Definitely. It's really cool. It, first, it shows that Captain Marvel really is, like, stupid powerful, which we already knew. Of course. Uh, but it also shows, like, when Thor is able to, like, cut loose against his opponents, like, he's terrifying, like, we already knew. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, my favorite bit in the whole episode, because right before um, Odin's in the Odin sleep, and mm-hmm. Frigga was going, Thor's mother was going to, like, this thing that happens, like, every thousand years, like, her coven or whatever, where it's like basically like a um, almost like a book club kind of thing. Yeah, and she gets to go like hang out with the, like the witches she was raised with, and <laughs> so she's like no party store. And he's like no, it's just gonna be like a study group, <laughs> and so she comes to Earth and he knows she's coming. So he's going around begging all these party people to help him clean up, and like nobody wants to. Yeah. Um. So they end Frickin up cleaning Surter, up. Frickin' Surtur like the destroyed arm. the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> yeah, he has to like weld the arm back on because he was hitting on it because he's. Yeah. Thought it was like a giant woman. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it was great. Uh, but when his mom lands and he's got like the chalkboards out and everybody's sitting down, and Thor's like, "Oh, this is my study group," and she's like, "Wow!" And then he calls Mjolnir, and everything was like going great. Like she's buying it. Then he calls mm-hmm. Mjolnir, and it's like graffitied and has like panties on it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like there's a beer on it or something. Yeah. And he literally goes like, "Ah!" <laughs> she's, I just thought oh, it, was it was so fantastic. funny. It's so stupid. It's so stupid. It really it's definitely played for laughs. Like the episode is more of a comedy than anything else. Yeah. But it's also really good. It works. Um, and the, I like what me, they do the with Jane Foster. Definitely, oh, yeah. And and that whole group. Darcy gets drunk and marries Howard the Duck. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah, there's a lot of crazy because shit they that goes can't on. stop putting Howard the freaking duck in these. It drives me crazy. Oh, I like. I, hate it. I think duck, it worked. Nah, no, I, it was good. I hate Howard. I hate him. I if you're gonna use him though, this is the one to use him in. This episode is the sure. one to use him in for sure. For sure. Um, he didn't need to be in episode two, but that's fine. Well, they seem to be using him kind of like Stan Lee, so that doesn't bother me. Like, he's not a main character or anything. You know, he's a cameo. Yeah, just don't don't replace Stan cameos with Howard the Duck, please. That's just... Oh, I hope... Please don't. Yeah, not necessary in the movies. (laughs) Please don't. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, I don't mind so much in the animated side of it. Um Yeah, so the the the, to me, the coolest thing about the episode, though, was the, the kind of like to be continued bit at the very end. Where, mm. oh my God, yeah, um, Ultron a- shows up with an army of Ultrons, and embedded in his forehead and chest are the six Infinity Stones. Yeah, and uh, his like helmet thing lifts up, and you see the Vision inside. So it looks like this is an Ultron that never the Vision was never created. This is just an Ultron that got the indestructible vibranium body yep. that can phase and do all this shit. And used it with the Mind Stone, used it to gather the other five Infinity Stones. So it's like an army of Ultrons commanded by like the most powerful Ultron <laughs> there could ever be. Well, if you think about it, if you take Thor out of the equation from the MCU, like that could go very differently. First of all, also Loki yeah. doesn't attack New York. So are the Avengers even formed? Like, how does this go? You know, it's it's it brings up a lot of interesting uh, questions. They don't, you know? Yeah, they don't ever call the Avengers. They don't yeah. ever try to call the Avengers. And the Avengers characters aren't even in the episode. 
yeah. except Captain Marvel because that's, yeah, we don't know exactly. Like the only deviation we know about this is that Thor and Loki were never brothers. Yeah. They're friends. And I thought that was a nice touch that they're like homies. I thought that was great. Loki's like, that it's my cool. brother from another mother. Like uh, it's again, <laughs> very stupid, but it's funny. It is. Um, it is. I, that, it's amazing. That end tag thing was like, oh shit! Like, I can't well, wait. even the Watcher. Two like, episodes left. Even the Watcher's reaction. Yeah. He's oh, like, yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. I loved that exactly. yeah. because he was like about to wrap up the episode, and then you see his face, and he's like, "Wait, what is that?" <laughs> yeah. It was such oh, a great moment. Shit. Yeah. yeah. If there's one thing you want to have the stones less than Thanos, it's Ultron. Yeah. Uh, you know, Thanos with the stones sucks, but I'd rather have Thanos have the stones than Ultron. I tell you that because there's a 50, sure. 50 chance I'll live and Thanos has them. There's a zero, 100% chance, as yeah. in 0% chance it'll happen, 100% chance it will happen that mm. Ultron's going to kill me with those infinity stones. <laughs> like, right. I am exactly. not going to live. Yeah, the whole universe is fucked. And what's great about each of these episodes is they usually end on a down note. It's kind of like a, you know, like a horrible ending, right? And this one's no oh, different. Oh, yeah. yeah, they're usually like cautionary tales. Yeah, even though this is a way lighter episode, ends on one of the darkest endings we've had so far. Well, yeah. maybe not darkest because that Doctor Strange ending was pretty damn dark, but <laughs> it's up that there. That one was definitely the bleakest yeah, but I think the ramif like the the implications of what what it means, what we just saw means mm-hmm. is like the whole universe is gonna bow to this thing. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see if they ever revisit the universe that's uh, that run by the Vision Ultron with the Infinity Stones. Because guess what? Be like the you Age snap of those stones in comics. that body, and yeah, you snap the stones in the, that body. Yeah, it's not messing your arm up. Yeah, like, Ultron <laughs> will be fine. Yeah, exactly. You know, even if it kills him, there's a billion other Ultrons with the same mind. Exactly. So, yeah, that's utterly terrifying. Like, that's the worst thing that could ever happen. And, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I wish I, the one th- I, don't get me wrong. I dig Age of Ultron and I dig Ultron uh, from the movie. Yeah. But they did kind of miss the point a little bit. We're like, like making him scary. Like he's supposed to be. Yeah. They know every time him. he shows up, every Avenger, the Avengers immediately call in like all the backup they could possibly get. And it's never, it's like almost never enough. Yeah. They always have to pull some crazy Hail Mary shit. That's why I'm hoping we see Ultron again. They could totally bring him back. Yes. I don't think we'll see it in the movies, but they could do it in what if and make him terrifying there. I don't think we're going to see Ultron in the movies anymore. Even though, unlike a lot of the biological characters that have died in the MCU, Ultron is an AI, so he can be brought back relatively easily. I just don't think they're going to do it. Yeah. So there's two episodes left for what if this season. And thankfully, we are confirmed getting more than one more season. I think they're confirmed through three, if I'm not mistaken. But there's two episodes left. Um, It looks like, unless I'm just misreading entirely what the teasers and everything showed, it looks like one of them is going to be a bit more Black Widow-centric. And could have sworn I read that we were going to see more T'Challa as Star-Lord this season, but maybe that was recorded for next season. I don't know that for sure. So I really don't know what to expect from the last two, but I'm excited. I've liked all of them so far. Yeah. And I'm very uh, hyped to see, you know, how... uh, if they can wrap this up, you know, stick the landing like they always do. And then we can start counting down to what well, Eternals is next, right? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Eternals is. I yeah. Eternals, then Hawkeye. Hawk- oh, the Hawkeye trailer dropped. We didn't talk about that. Dude, it looks that, awesome. That was great. I'm so excited. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's going to be really good. I'm very excited about it. And then Spider-Man, of course. But I think they may end up squeezing Miss Marvel in. 
between uh, Spider-Man No Way Home and the end of the calendar year. But we're definitely getting at least three more MCU things this year. You know, The Eternals, Hawkeye, and Spider-Man No Way Home. But before we get to those, they just dropped earlier this month Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. We're going to talk about that here very briefly. No spoilers because, like I said at the, at, yeah, a few minutes ago, or a long time ago, depending on how bad we edited this down. <laughs> we didn't want to get into too many spoilers just yet. A, because the movie hadn't been out very long. And B, because a lot of people still aren't you know comfortable going to theaters and everything. They want to wait till it's available to watch from home. And it's not going to be on Disney Plus for uh, about a month still. So we're just going to you know avoid spoilers for now. So what was your overall impression of Shang-Chi? I really loved it. Uh, I would say this might be in my top five. It's really hard to rank the MCU because they're all so good at this point, especially. Uh, but it's definitely up there. I had a lot of fun with it. Great movie. Yeah, I don't know if I put it. A lot of people, my wife is like top three. She loved it. And a lot of her friends felt the same way. And that's totally cool. I enjoyed it, too. I think the third act is a little messy. A little bit, yeah. Um, and... And um, there's a lot of very forgettable villains in it that are built up to be like, ooh, they're scary, and they're not <laughs> at all. And there was a little like stuff here and there. I was like, this is really weird. But the action is really fun. Dude, the choreography in this movie, all the martial arts is amazing. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. Simi Liu is awesome as Shang-Chi. Like, he's the reason the movie's doing so well. And Aquafina as Katie And is both so those characters funny. have so much heart, too, which is obviously what makes the movie They're very work. charming. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, their reactions to the world are great. Um, there's a lot. Oh, uh, and I. Oh God, I'm forgetting her name. Jai Ling. Oh yeah, she was great. Forgive me, I'm gonna mispronounce her name, and I don't mean to. Uh, Mangir Jan plays Jai Ling, who's plays Shang Chi's yeah. sister, and she was awesome. As we saw in the trailer, there's a like a fight club in China that we see, in which we see Wong fighting the yeah. abomination, <laughs> and. I, the fact that he looks like the comic abomination now, like he's continued to evolve since the Incredible Hulk is awesome. Um, you know, we're not going to say anything else about that scene other than that because it's in the trailer. But I thought that was really cool. It, it isn't very long, though, so just don't get your heads, uh, your heart up for like a prolonged Wong versus Abomination fight. Yeah. It's not, that's see, not really happening. You don't see much more than you see in the trailer, but it is cool. Yeah. You really don't, no. There's a few other um, references during that sequence there's, too. Um, definitely, yeah, they, yeah. But it, I don't. Well, they're not really spoilers. Easter it's eggs. More like you see a dark elf. You see one of the Black Widows. Uh, you one see, of the extremist guys. Um, a, a Wakandan, I think. Yeah, an yeah. extremist dude. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty cool. Um, Tony Lung was uh, Lung. Tony, I think it's Leung, was awesome as uh, as the from, villain. I guess we'll call yeah. him the veteran. <laughs> yeah, I. I he, yeah, I don't know I, if it's spoilers. The that... he is the Mandarin? He's not the Mandarin. Basically, no. It's pretty clear he's the Mandarin. They've said, you know the Ten Rings and the Mandarin, whatever. But he, um, I thought he was really good. They gave him a lot more heart than I was expecting. He was oh, a lot yeah. less evil than I was expecting. Mm -hmm. And I think that actually worked out. I think it really made it like he still did a lot of evil shit over oh, the years <laughs> for sure. And he's not a good dude, but he's not like you know when it comes to his kids, at least he's not like an animal. But maybe yeah. when it comes to other people. I didn't love like the hidden city aspect so much. I thought that was a little much, to be honest with you. I I, I think that's my biggest contention with the movie is I was like, Ugh. I understand you want to make it like have it have like a Chinese flavor to it. Yeah. I mean, everything looked incredible, but that third act is a little yeah. wonky to me. But again, I enjoyed it. I, I was entertained the whole time. I was never like boo. 
But that's to me why it would probably be like yeah, that what this is like the twenty fifth movie I think in the MCU, which is so crazy and awesome. It makes me so happy. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> for me, it would probably be somewhere in like the the high like the you know thirteen fourteen range. Uh, maybe maybe a bit higher. Maybe more like eight or nine. But it's um, it's very good. I, it reminded me a lot of ways of Black Panther, and I don't just mean because it's like, oh look, white people, it's a culture that's not yours, but <laughs> in that it yeah doesn't a lot of I times would agree with that. a lot of times when you get a studio making a movie that's trying to be like uh, trying to like kind of like recall cultural appropriation, like no, this is like an African movie, this is like a Chinese movie. A lot of times it gets really in the worst cases after school specialty. Um, but other times just very like heavy, like ham fisted, very heavy handed and very like lame. That did not happen here. Um, Shang-Chi is, is, this is a Chinese movie. Like it's not a bunch of white people with a couple Chinese folks in it. It's, it's a Chinese movie. And a lot of times when those are done through studios, it can be really like uncomfortable and ham fisted and like tone deaf. And thankfully this was not that. And, um, I did mention the action scenes were great. The, the bus fight from the trailer, probably the coolest thing in the movie. It was pretty awesome. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, again, without getting too far into spoilers, that's that's kind of all I wanted to say. The ten ring effects were pretty cool. Um, it was an interesting choice to have them be like armband rings rather than finger rings. But um, there's a couple post credit scenes that tease there's more to come with those. So we may find out maybe they are rings for like a freaking giant or something. Um, but it was pretty cool. I thought they it was very creative, very inventive. The, the cool soundtrack. The, the actors all had really good chemistry. The effects, as always, for Marvel are, are mind-bogglingly good. They're so good. So, yeah, check it out. Shang-Chi and Legend of the Ten Rings. If you can't go see it in theaters, that's fine. Check it out on, on uh, from your house on Disney Plus once it drops in a few weeks. And let us know what you think. Thank you so much for sticking around for like this episode on top of an episode. We appreciate you guys and your patience. And we will do our best to kind of get on a regular schedule here. We've got uh, a bunch going on in the next few weeks. Poor Eric's been recovering from the covid even vaccinated he got it he's still with us thankfully and uh we will see if both of us make it the next time all right so we've we've spent the latter portion of the last few episodes for the most part talking about our recommendations for certain characters uh we try to hop back and forth between marvel and dc although it occurred to me there haven't we haven't really um gone outside of marvel and dc yet but that's not out of the question so stick around uh, but today we want to talk <laughs> about the Mighty Thor from Marvel Comics. And um, I know Thor is one of Eric's all-time favorites, so I'll let him go first. Oh, definitely. Uh, and I know you have a lot of stories of his that you like, so I'm curious to see where you go with this. Sure. So for me, this was an easy choice. I had to go with Thor God of Thunder by Jason Aaron and Nassad Ribbit. Now, I don't know if I can pick the entire run. But let's just say volume one, uh, which I believe was called God Bomb. No, Gore the God Butcher. Is that what it was? Well, Gore's the character. I don't remember if that's the name of the arc or not. But the first six issues is, is the introduction of Gore. Yeah. And him and Thor's first few confrontations and really sets the stage for Aaron's entire run. and Like what he wants to say about the character. And of course, it's amazing. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Right from the get go. This 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 storyline like really pulled me in. It really leans into like kind of the mythology aspect of it. And what's really cool, at least from this first story arc is that we get three different time periods. Oh yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. So you get, you know, Thor from the Avengers in the modern age, you have Viking Thor, you know, hanging out with the Vikings on Midgard, you know? Yeah, like pre, pre-Mjolnir Thor, like teenager Thor almost. Yeah, exactly. Pre-Mjolnir, before he has the hammer. Uh, yeah. He's 
got this giant axe. <laughs> yeah, and, and he's, he's just getting drunk younger, and hanging and out looks, with Vikings. Yeah, he looks like he's like a guy in his early twenties. Like he he looks a lot younger than Thor. And then of course there's King Thor. Definitely. And then King Thor, yeah, in the far future, uh, he's like taking over Odin's position, ruling over Asgard. And uh, you know, they those storylines kind of continue throughout the series, but like eventually King Thor like takes on Galactus and stuff. And there's some really interesting stuff going on there. But um, yeah, it all starts with uh, with that first story arc. You know, he takes on this this character, this new character called Gore, who's basically wiping out an entire pantheons and it's it's fantastic i don't want to ruin it go read it it's amazing it's really really well done yeah the dude's powerful enough to wipe out tons like big groups of gods all at the same time and yeah um, thor's like the one dude that can stand up to him and he really can't all that well but he's thor so he's like not gonna quit um, <laughs> he pushes through yeah but i mean look it, it's fun it's it's a really cool arc and um really like jason aaron's thor run has like three big I guess we'll call them chapters. Like you got the, yeah. the God of Thunder arc, which mm-hmm. runs up to like original sin where he becomes unworthy of lifting Mjolnir. Yep. And then the second arc is the Jane Foster as Thor, the mighty Thor run. Um, exactly. Which, which runs up is to Thor awesome in its own right is. Oh, it's so yeah. good. And Russell. Diamond yeah. I followed art, like that pfft, whole series. That artwork is insane. Uh, and then awesome. the third arc is where it went back to um, the mighty Thor, Thor God of Thunder or something like that, where he's he's not yeah. doesn't have Mjolnir, but he's got like dozens of hammers. Um, <laughs> exactly. That they don't have the same power as Mjolnir, but he can like summon them all at once and stuff. Um, and he's and he's got the eye patch. That was like the War of the, the Realms. He's got like the fake arm. Yeah, War of the Realms Thor. Um, yeah. So that was the third leg of his run. It's crazy to see how much of his run overall, but really that first six to 12 issues influenced mm-hmm. not just Thor and the Thor mythos, but the Marvel universe mythos. Cause Donnie Cates borrowed a lot of that for his huge mega run. That oh, he definitely built off of it. Oh, totally. That's where, that's where Noel came from was the Necrosword. Yeah. The thing that was used to kill ego. Like it, yep. it's a crazy book, dude. It's that's a good choice. Like his Jason Aaron's Thor is, right up there with some of the, the all-time great Thor runs, and there's been a ton of them, but his is, yeah. you know, arguably the best, if not second or third, you know? Um, yeah, and for I, a character I, it's definitely that was brought up reading. by Jack Kirby, like, that's saying something, you know? Like, Oh, I know. Yeah. Thor's been continuously published since 1962 or something. 62, I believe. Might be 63. I think it's 63. Uh, I think it's 63, actually. I'm pretty sure it's three. Oh, maybe. But anyway, yeah. um, 60 years, roughly. And he's never not been published with some very small exceptions, like three years at one point where Marvel had quote-unquote killed him off. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, there's obviously a lot to choose from. One of my choices, and it didn't end up being my actual choice, but we'll call it an honorable mention, is um, sure. when when they actually killed him off, they did uh, tied it into the Avengers Disassembled arc, which was yeah. uh, Brian Bendis's... Um, I want to say that... That's his, his initial, initial, yeah, his, his start yeah. on Avengers. Started in Avengers number 500, uh, where the Scarlet Witch lost control of her powers, and like basically the worst things that could happen to all the Avengers started happening. And in Thor's case, that meant Ragnarok came. And yeah. <laughs> it is bananas. And the Thor arc is written by um, Mike Van Oming, who was Bendis' artist on Powers. And um, Oh, that's cool. It's drawn by Andrea DeVito, who also drew the uh, Annihilation series that's so good. 
And it's like one of the most hardcore Thor books you'll ever read. Van Oming's like the biggest Thor fan there is. And um, mm. it's it's so good. You have to read it. I'll let you borrow it. <laughs> uh, but the yeah, one man. that I ended up actually going with, um, even over, look, I'll just say, if you want to read, in my opinion, the best Thor books there ever were, just pick up the Walt Simonson collections. Um, he wrote and drew the book for quite a while. Yeah. And when he wasn't drawing, Sal Bashema, who draws a lot like him, was drawing. But that's where you get like Beta Ray Bill and the saga of Balder the Brave and all the stuff with Sif and big developments with the mm-hmm. Thor Loki Odin relationship, the introduction of Surtur and, and uh, Muspelheim. Um, like a ton of Thor mythos came from Walt Simonson. And it's because yeah, he grew up reading those Jack definitely. Kirby books and thought Jack Kirby's Thor was like the coolest shit ever. And then, um, you know, Tom DeFalco and Ron Friends did the same thing and they had a great run. But then, like, you know, you have people like Jason Aaron who grew up reading Walt Simonson's Thor. And so you see a lot of the influences there. Donnie Cates is clearly a huge Simonson fan. He uses Beta Ray Bill all the time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so oddly my, enough, I've never been a huge Beta Ray Bill fan, but oh, I, I don't hate him. You know, he's my, like other than Thor, he's just, my favorite he Thor. He seems character. so out of place to be. He's, I fucking yeah. love him. Um, yeah. But a frog Thor doesn't. <laughs> no, frog Thor's fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, he's a different. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, my oh, my pick. Yeah. yeah, my pick is a little off the beaten path, and it ties into something I was talking to er- about earlier. But it's Thor Vikings, and it's by Garth oh, Ennis yeah. and Glenn Fabry, who did um, the covers for like Preacher and a ton of other stuff for Garth Ennis. It's a weird book. It came out in like the early two thousands, like two thousand two or three when Marvel was mm-hmm. in like this really weird place creatively where they were just throwing shit against the kitchen sink. They didn't care too much about continuity. Like the books didn't really tie into each other at all. Like, if you're reading Avengers, yeah, right. like it really wasn't going to reflect what was happening in Iron Man or Captain America or whatever. Um, they just were trying to find stuff that stuck. And so you had a lot of really creative stuff coming out and it's why it's one of my all time favorite eras of Marvel. Like all these weird books were coming out like ecstatics and, you know, mm-hmm. they were trying stuff like they were giving Bendis Daredevil and Garth Ennis, like people that you'd never heard of were getting these like big time books. And just, it turned out like almost all of them were like the perfect choice for it. And out yeah. of nowhere in the middle of this, they started launching new, new publishing lines, like ultimate Marvel and Marvel Knights and all that. Um, but one that kind of goes under the radar for the most part, cause they don't really use it much is the max line where, yeah, you know, it's the, 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 mature rating books. So for the most part, it's the Punisher and the occasional like blade or ghost rider story. Um, but for the most part, it's Punisher, but this one mm-hmm. is a Thor book under the max title. And it's clearly just because of violence. I mean, there's a little bit of nudity in it, but it's violence. It is in fucking sane. Uh, this <laughs> is, is a, a group of like cursed Vikings on a ship that are like undead. So they're like zombie Vikings, but they're impossibly yeah. strong. Like the most strong one breaks Thor's wrists. Like Thor hits him square on with Mjolnir as hard as he can. The guy just takes the yeah. hit like it's nothing and it shatters Thor's wrists. We're like, they're fractured. Yeah, it's fucking they're, crazy. Like, he's bleeding everywhere. He can't carry the hammer. The guy just picks him up and throws him in the ocean. And he's like, nah, whatever. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they start murdering their way across New York to the point like it's like that book, the cult from Batman, but like times a thousand, there's like piles of heads that are taller. Yeah. Than the str- they're taller than like the traffic lights. 
Um, so they're just going building, they're building and murdering everybody. And they're going to make New York like this land of the dead. And so Thor mm. just gets thoroughly beat to shit and he's rescued, uh, before he drowned. It's not like he's going to actually drown, but he's in the water for a while. <laughs> and Dr. Strange pops up and, uh, Dr. Strange is like, all right, well, you know, there's a way to beat this guy using magic and basically finds it like if he can find descendants of the lead Viking, like the cursed guy throughout time, uh, not descendants, excuse me, ancestors and ancestors and descendants, I believe. Never mind. Um, they can, uh, like, they, like they're, they will be like magically imbued. Like they'll be able to really damage this guy and Thor will have a chance to win. And so they get like a world war, world war one German pilot. So not quite a Nazi, but like a, a German pilot. Um, <laughs> yeah. This woman from like, uh, it's like, I don't remember where she's from, but she's like this giant like German woman or, or, or Swiss woman or something like that. Um, she kind of yeah. looks like she should be a Valkyrie, but she's just a human. And then there's like a, a like a knight from like, um, you know, Arthurian times, uh, not necessarily Arthurian, but like from like 1300, you know, and he's got like the crusade cross on his, the tunic over his oh, that's cool. like a templar knight yeah and he's got like the yeah. the monty python helmet well you know what i mean like the black knight helmet yeah yeah um and there's it's stuff like that and they they team up with thor to go fight zombie vikings in their flying death ship <laughs> it's just like it's the craziest <laughs> fucking it's the most metal thing ever it, it literally like you should be listening <laughs> to like like norwegian death metal while you're reading it yeah. it's um <laughs> It's a cra- oh, it's, like, like it's not time. a good representation of like what you can expect a Thor book to be, but if you want to read some crazy no. shit that you don't normally see from like a superhero comic, I would recommend Thor Vikings. Yeah. Otherwise, I, if I, you want your traditional it Thor, really familiar. I'm pretty sure I've read it before. But I'm it's pretty sure you have too. Um, yeah, um, isn't the art like really weird? Like kind of well, like it has like a certain style to it. You yeah, know, like I would say it's, like it's very clear. Like it's not ever hard to tell what's okay. happening or anything like that. It's yeah. If you're familiar with Faber's work, like you know what it looks like. But it's uh, if you want a more traditional Thor, I would recommend Simonson. Anything from Jason Aaron, uh, or you could jump in on Donny Cates, who just started his run with uh, the uh, volume one. It's called The Black Winter, and that was really cool. Thor versus. Yeah, Galactus. I'm definitely planning on getting the trades for the the Cates stuff. I've uh, read the first so few issues; they're yeah. really really solid. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, there's like you know clearly you can read any of the Jack Kirby stuff. Like I said, the Friends, uh, Ron, Tom DeFalco, Ron Friends run is really cool with like Eric Masterson as Thor. Um, yeah, it's very underrated. There's a lot of really cool stuff in there. Um, the JMS run is actually really good. I'm not a huge JMS guy, but I thought his Thor was actually pretty badass. Like he does the issue where Thor comes, you know, he comes back to life and everything after the events of uh, Ragnarok and. There have been a few absence, Ragnaroks. Well, the the one that I that I recommended earlier, <laughs> the one disassembled. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, he comes back to find out the Civil War happened. Captain America's dead, and one of the people that contributed to it was a clone of him that was made by his supposed buddy Tony Stark. And so it's mm. Thor visiting Captain America's memorial, and Tony comes yeah. to like, recruit him to his Avengers to hunt down the non-registered Avengers, <laughs> and Thor's just wow. not having it, and it says Iron Man versus Thor. And you see Iron Man like coming up with all this crazy shit to fight, and it's like Thor just kind of reminds him, dude. At the end of the day, like you're an impressive mortal, but you are just a mortal. And he like totally destroys his armor in like three seconds. And it just <laughs> it's it was one of those people that like kind of remembered that 
Thor doesn't just swing his hammer around and scream verily and strike stuff with lightning. Like, he is Marvel's <laughs> Superman. He is the strongest yeah. Avenger. Like, he can fuck shit up. He can... Mm. He can literally... Has a stalemate with the Hulk anytime they fight. You know what I mean? Like, the dude's nuts. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, it's... Uh, there's a lot of cool shit you can read for Thor, but that's my recommendation. And that's, I think yours is a really good one too. Oh, definitely. I got to revisit that one. That's really good, dude. Do we have anything else you want to talk about before we sign off? I think that's about it. All right, everybody. Well, you can check us out on social media at comic zombie on Twitter and Facebook. You can check us out at comiczombie.net, And you can see Eric over at epic fails, E P I K fails.com. And we started a new season of uh, epic fails of history. You can check us out over at probablywork.com or epic fails.com. Um, Eric, That's right. was, uh, you're also on uh, Twitter and Facebook and everything at Eric Slater. Uh, yep. Am I forgetting anything? Probablywork.com. Check out everybody's work over there. You're also on Too Young for this track. I'm on way too many podcasts. <laughs> you mentioned Corey a couple of times. Check out Corey on The World is My Burrito. Corey's a great guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we've got a couple things coming up as far as epic fails of history, and we'll continue to bring you guys updates on What If and all the other crazy MCU stuff coming, as well as any crazy comic book news that comes up. Yep. Other than that, thanks so much for listening yet again. We appreciate y'all checking out Comic Zombie. We're also going to be doing uh, Ghostbusters on the new season of Podcasters Assemble starting soon. Soon. Yes, yeah, we'll be discussing a couple Ghostbusters films in celebration of uh, the new film coming out, which looks pretty cool, actually. I'm very excited about it. Fingers but, crossed. You know, I've been, it's something we talked about that every single Ghostbusters sequel's been inferior to the original. I, I'm not going to get so far as to say they suck, but they've been inferior to the original. So it'd be interesting to see if this one can hold a candle to the original. I, I don't expect it to, but I do expect it yeah. to. I think it's going to be fun. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. All right. Well, so check us out next time. Same copyright infringement time. Same copyright infringement channel. ComicZombie.net. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good one. This has been a presentation of the We Can Make This Work Probably Network. Follow us on Twitter at ProbablyWork for more of our questionable content. Also, we have a website called ProbablyWork.com. Even even with the um, previous movie, but Mervy early phase one. Yeah, this is you don't before, really see a lot referring back to phase one. Yeah, this takes place. Be- this is this is all taking place in the same week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, there's a real bad delay there for a second. Season. I think it finally it, caught judging up. Judging from, <laughs> it's all good. I think it's Sod Rubik. Yeah, I think so. It? I think so. All right, just cut that part out where. I no, I, I think that's right. <laughs> it's, that's how I say it, and I. Yeah. I for all I know um, it's way off, but that's how I say it too. Hey, you okay? Yeah, I'm good. What why what's up? No, Eric is here. Did something happen? Huh? Yeah, it's just oh. Eric. We're just bullshitting. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you alright? I thought something happened to my audio. Should let you know when you need me to put that rash on your butt What is it? What's wrong? Listen! versus walking nuclear dinosaur. Sexy time. Oh dear, is that darn podcast again? Can't you do something about it? I've tried everything, honey. I I guess we'll just have to listen to something else. Are you troubled by strange voices in your ears? Do you experience feelings of dread in your basement, attic, or car? Have you or your family actually listened to a spooky podcast? If the answer is yes, don't wait another minute. Just pick up the phone and listen to the professionals. Ghostcasters!
Our courteous and efficient submitters are on call 24 hours a day to serve all your Supernatural podcast listening needs. As we count down to the latest release of the Ghostbuster series, Ghostbusters Afterlife, in theaters November 11th, 2021. First movie to start with a disclaimer about who is and isn't real. Of course I'm going to do that. It's a lot of fun. Fun twice to France. Got him. I don't think you have any more trouble with that season anymore. And we can submit for this season, too? How does that work? All in a day's work, ma'am. Just go to the We Can Make This Work, probably, podcast network and upload your mobile PKE readings and audio recordings. After all, we're Ghostcasters. We're We're ready ready to to believe believe you. you. Podcasters Assemble is a production of the We Can Make This Work, probably, podcast network. Submissions are always open.